one of us should go. Hey, we weren't expecting those, way. How about, how about we, uh, let, let's all go in a circle and see who can come up with the best intro. Oh, is that what it is? It's choose your own intro. Yeah, yeah, it's a choose your own adventure episode. All right. All right, so Rick, you go first. Oh, wow, well, all the pressure's on. Yeah, yeah, oh. it was nominally your idea, so go ahead. Well, that wasn't my idea. Something else was my idea. Hey, man, we're recording at this moment, so... Oh, actually, okay. The, the onus is on you. So, sneak intro. Hey! I wasn't expecting that, were you? It's me, Ninja Rick, and I'm joined by these two awful creatures on the How Long to Beat podcast. We've got Ultimate Zombie Toast, known animal hater... <laughs> and we've got Kurf Murph, a.k.a. our supreme leader. Welcome to the show. The do you want to really do yours? I mean, I think that was a nail. I think I think I hit that. Yeah, I, as long as I don't have to do one, yours is fine. Perfect. <laughs> Good job. No, no, this is, uh, this is required, no. No. <laughs> I, I'll do mine, and while I'm doing mine, you'll have time to come up with your own. How about that? Or attempt to. Yeah, yeah. Your, uh, your whatever horrible thing you come up with. Uh, let's see. Hello, folks. Uh, today's episode of the How Long to Beat podcast is brought to you (laughs) by Weird Al Yankovic Sterling Silver Spork Collection. (laughs) I have no clue where I'm going with this, but that should have bought you some time, Toast. Oh no, I was too busy talking shit, I didn't think of anything. <laughs> That's what we call karma in the business. Oh, jeez. <laughs> hey guys, this is gonna get cut anyway, so it doesn't matter. We're gonna start our episode. Please don't make me do this. This is gonna get cut, she says, as I make a note in the episode notes. Do not cut. Alright. So now that you have absorbed three times your daily recommended level of introduction, uh, on today's episode, uh, we've got quite a full plate for you. So today we're going to be having a current-gen retrospective, which isn't so much a retrospective because it's kind of ongoing. What are you doing, Rick? (laughs) Me, I'm bobbing. Something which translates perfectly on a podcast. These two maniacs are just <laughs> whipping their heads back and forth like freaks of nature. Anyway, we'll be talking about that, then we'll move ahead into our recently beat and currently playing. We'll play some intermission jams for ya. We will have these two abominations of mankind... Uh, delivering their host segments, Hot Out of the Toaster and Recommendations. A.K.A. the copycat and the OG. (laughs) I said Hot Out of the Toaster first, so if we're going, like, respectively, then you just called her. (laughs) I called her the copycat, and then I called my own OG, because that's the order that you said. And now I feel like I've derailed the... uh... I am so much more OG than you. Yeah. Younger number one, so definitely not. I'm from Michigan. I've been to Detroit. Back off. If you hear a gunshot, folks, you know what's happened. Well, at least uh, we have them. (laughs) 
to give you a little foreshadowing, you're going to be hearing the word Detroit later in this podcast. Bum, Ooh. bum, bum. Man, I and like that. Oh, gonna, I like that a lot. Too Long gonna, Didn't Read, was it good? We'll get there. So, <laughs> to finish out our little outline, we will round things out with questions from the forums as per usual. So, without wasting any time, i.e. the five minutes we have already wasted, let's uh, start with our current-gen discussion. So that, we are classifying that as Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and the Xbox One. So let's just go around the circle. What do all of us own? I'll go first. Sure. Thanks, Kerf, for giving me the go-ahead. I have, you a Nintendo... it's okay. <laughs> I have a Nintendo <laughs> Switch and a PlayStation 4. How about you, nerds? I have a PS4, a Switch, a Vita, a 3DS, and a decent gaming computer. I think the only one I don't have is the Xbox One. And honestly, why? <laughs> <laughs> That's some more foreshadowing. Um, I actually don't have anything current gen. The closest I am to owning something modern is um, the Vita and the 3DS. But I have had the benefit of playing all three. And your monster of a laptop. And my monster of a laptop. Yeah, I mean, it it does most things. Can't play the exclusives, though, and I think that's maybe been, segue, the best thing about this generation. I think we've seen lots of really good exclusives. The Last of Us remasters, if you count that. Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> Did you not like Horizon Zero Dawn? No, he hates it. Yeah. Really? I, uh, I am adamantly anti-Horizon Zero Dawn, but that's neither here nor there. Moving swiftly on, Bloodborne. Obviously, Smitch has had... Smitch? Smitch has had a bevy of... Lilo and Smitch. <laughs> a bevy of... Exclusives, Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, Mario Kart, all of the usual suspects, Smash coming later this year. Kart wasn't exclusive. It wasn't on the PlayStation, was it? It was on the Wii U. So it was publisher, not publisher, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Company exclusive, you know what I mean. Yeah. I do, but I I don't want to help you. (laughs) Well, I mean, by that logic, Breath of the Wild was also Wii U. So. Yeah. yeah, but it was still Nintendo exclusive. That's what I mean. Okay. Okay, then you should have said. Well, I was trying to, and I had you <laughs> staring me down. <laughs> Putting um, me off my stride. So, I but, mean, yeah. but what's telling to me is that, like, you only listed three things that are PlayStation exclusives. <laughs> that are really, he doesn't like, have one. I'd say, yeah, yeah, that is fair. purely from sort of news memory. Spider-Man's coming. Between that and The Last of Us 2, I may well have to get PS4 at some point very soon. There was something else. Uh, Daddy of War as well. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I can see that the exclusives are kind of building there. Yeah. it's. I think that's probably been Xbox's biggest problem. Uh, and probably why you don't own one at all, Toast. There's, Every time... Why do you need one? Well, and every time they have an exclusive, they just release it to PC. So it's like, why even bother? Yeah. At that point, don't have a console, just 
make games for the computer. Yeah. And they they have been much more flexible with that thing. Side note, I was on the train the other day, and um, there was a guy playing, what was it? I think it was one of the Forza games uh, on the seats in front of me, and he brought one of those official sort of dongles for the controller, and he had the controller and his headphones in. And for a two-and-a-half-hour train journey, he was on his own, zoned out from everyone and everything, just playing. That's one of the things I've liked about the new generation, the the connectivity of it. So a couple of my friends use remote play loads. If I had a PS4, I know I would on my Vita all the time. Um, and the, the accessibility of your games, even if it is to, to Xbox's detriment, I think is a good thing for the consumer. Yeah, I mean... I don't use that sort of portable portable connectivity sort of stuff with my PlayStation 4, I guess. Um, because I guess the only really connectivity they have is... Do they even have Vita connectivity anymore? Yeah, yeah remote play is mandatory. It's just pretty not great, because it's not... It's only Vita to PS4, which is inconvenient, in my right? opinion. Yeah. Yeah, you can yeah. you the Vita games only play on the PS4. It's not the other way around. Which I guess makes sense because the Vita is in no yeah. way powerful enough to handle. So it stuff. makes so, thought, uh, no, it's not the, the other way around. Way around. No. I thought you could stream because I've seen people playing The Witcher Three on their Vita, and you you can stream it. So the PS4 is playing the game, but it streams only over. if it has a Vita version. No, I don't think that's right. I'm 100% because I looked it up because I was like I want to play Danganronpa 3 um, because I I bought a PS4 version and then it didn't end up showing up so then I was debating whether or not to get the PS4 version or the Vita version I was trying to figure if my PS4 version would play uh, give me a second I'm, I'm just going to look it up yeah so if you if you go on playstation.net's PS4 link manuals it says with the PS4 link application you can remotely control a PS4 system and play games that support the second screen feature. I guess you're right, it says so. But when I was looking like a few months ago... Oh well, oops. <laughs> but yeah, I, I suppose between those two and the Switch, which sort of does it natively. Yeah, that's what I was kind of leading to with that is... I mean, Switch, it's all on the same system, so... I mean, you don't have to, you know, you know, flip it between the PlayStation 4 to the Vita. You don't have to switch between consoles. Mm. You literally just take it out of the dock and you walk away. I know, I gesture with my hands a lot. Thank you, Rick. No, 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 it wasn't that. I was doing a little drumbeat because you said you don't have to switch between consoles. Oh, okay, so it was the pun. Okay. I didn't, I thought you meant it, so. <laughs> it's too bad that the, the dock is kind of garbage, though. Hmm. I haven't really had any issues with the dock. What's the um, problem with it? It's very cheaply made. Uh, it was stolen by my uh, roomie. Um, so I don't have mine anymore. Or my Switch, because he stole that too. <gasps> um, and it scratched up my Switch like day one. So I bought really? a cover almost instantly because it... It, it, well, it was not noticeable. It was on the outside of the black part. But yeah, day one, it scratched my Switch. Jesus. I mean, that's and it wasn't me who did you it. You think it was an OEM person would be able to get that right, wouldn't you? 
I mean, that's that's, that's just why I bought a screen protector like right yeah. out the gate because I didn't even want to risk it. Oh, I, hate I just did it. I don't think that they're like intrusive or anything. I mean, as long as you slap them on properly. I mean, I've always been garbage at it, and I don't like them. I don't like the way they look, so I don't want to have to deal with them. But I guess I had to with this one. Well, let me lean down here for a second. All right. So here is my switch that I am now showing to Rick and Toast, and I apologize that those of you at home cannot see it. Uh, da, 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 da. Let me blank the screen. All right. So can you even tell, if I can get the glare off of it, that there's a screen protector on there? From a distance, on a very small picture, no. on a fairly small screen, no. Okay, now I can. Yeah. And I the, can see the little cutouts at the bottom. Yeah, and, and the problem with it is the software, or the little thing that they gave you to go with it was absolutely garbage. Like the little shovey-shovey to get all the air bubbles out. It made more air bubbles. I had to buy a new screen protector because I put it on wrong the first time. What's that word you came out with? Shabby, shabby. Shabby, shabby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I think the main problems that I've heard people have with the dock is that I think they say, one, it scratches the screen, which just get a spring screen protector. Two... <laughs> They're cheap. They're, I mean, they're sixteen dollars. That's not cheap. Where did For you screen protector. From? The me. official licensed screen protector. Oh well, don't. And then I had that. to buy another one because it went on wrong. So that's thirty dollars I spent on the You're screen protector. You're just spending too much on your screen protectors. Then Nintendo says only buy officially licensed soft, like pr products. So what I do that. Shock. Well, the thing is, you're gonna sometimes... buy things. Buy them from us. I mean, well, if, if you're gonna get like an electronic, if you're gonna yeah. get an electronic thing, yeah, get that officially licensed. But this is literally just a strip of glass. Okay. Well, my friend was going to the store, so I said, "Pick up a switch screen protector. I don't care what kind." And they brought me back the officially licensed one, so I That's paid for it. Everything is my friend's fault. Are you Nothing's sure? I refuse to take the blame for anything. Are you sure that your friend didn't pull that thing where like they? take a $20 bill and they take it in and buy something that's like two bucks and they say oh it was $16 and they just pocket the rest of it I didn't pay for it until afterwards and oh, they okay. showed me the receipt because uh. I don't I don't mess with that <laughs> just show me the receipt and I'll reimburse you I think the bigger problem rather than the screens in a couple of years time will be the batteries because if you're if you're playing it for a couple of hours and then leaving it in a dock so it's fully charged every time, that's not a good way to treat your, your rechargeable batteries. And I, I can't possibly see how that doesn't leave some people sort of 12, 18, 24 months down the line with a battery that can barely hold a charge. Um, so, I mean, I guess, yeah, over a very extended period of time, it'll probably become a problem i don't think that the battery life on the switch is great anyway well there's that, that also true. yeah yeah slight segue the battery in my 3ds has been quite disappointing um yeah, turn down the brightness on your 3ds 
it's already lowest as it can be. I've noticed that when I leave the 3D off, I get maybe an hour, an hour and a half more than I ordinarily would. Definitely, but yeah. I, I thought my yeah. Vita's battery life was quite bad, and I actually get more out of the Vita by at least 30 minutes. Um, The Vita's more annoying when charging, though. Way more annoying. <laughs> oh, hells yes. Um, uh, Mine takes more power consumption for... Because um, I charge everything usually through USB, and it takes more power consumption through USB than it is replenishing. So it's like it holds steady. It doesn't actually charge, which is bullshit. I've always used it through mains. I've got the the original charging cables, and I've never had that issue at all. Pardon? It's inconvenient. Well, you're inconvenient. I have more than enough power source for my PC to power that and multiple, multiple devices. Well, you could use this thing called a, an AC adapter. You know, put it in the mains, put it in the wall. I don't... It's, no, I have everything. Who do you think does the wiring in the house? I have the outlets that I need, and I got my power so strip, and it's all... You charge them on your computer. It's just more convenient that way. Piece of poop. It's less effective, though, apparently. Anyway, yeah. before we belabor this point too much... We are ostensibly supposed to be talking about video game consoles. That's so, true. So, uh, where were we even? Oh. I think we were talking about portability and connectivity. Right. So, I think that is definitely... I mean, I know we said we weren't going to talk about Wii U, but I think that kind of kick-started things in a way. Um, like, they really... We're trying to go for that whole, you know, you can be playing the game with the gamepad on the TV, and then your dad comes in and wants to watch Netflix, so you just press the minus button, and your game is suddenly transferred directly to the gamepad. Um, Hmm. And, I mean, that's pretty cool. And we're also seeing, uh, being able to use, like, the 3DS you could actually use as a controller to play Smash for Wii U. Um, I'm pretty sure Vita was able to be used as a controller for... Uh, Anything. You could consoles. use it as a yeah. controller for PS4. And I think that's also pretty cool to have that uh, kind of variability in how you can use different tools. Yeah, for sure. So More I, options. I think... Sorry, go on. I think we're still kind of in a nascent sort of place with uh, how portability works in terms of games and game consoles. And I'd be very interested to see how that technology grows over the next generation or two. Hmm. I I wonder whether more and more we're going to find um, that you don't think of the console so much at all. I think the next step naturally is with things like PS4 remote play that you take the controller with you, you pair it to to your phone and you stream the game to your phone screen. Like what Steam's doing with their new app. I think that might be where the stuff is going. The problem is the network's always going to hamstring you. Because I, I don't know about you guys in the US, but most 4G connections would not sustain it, I don't think. Not at the minute. Yeah, and I mean, it would just... It would just be a glutton for data. 
That would be... Yeah. I can't even yeah. imagine that. I think are you talking may- about the Steam link? Like, are you talking about the Steam Play app right now? Analogizing, yeah. How how does it work? Have either of you tried it? Downloaded mm-hmm. it, haven't used it yet. My understanding is, and I have a Steam controller, so it would pair directly to, that you leave your computer at home, the computer essentially runs the game, streams it to whatever device you have the app on, and then your phone functions as the screen and you use the controller to control the game. It, I could see it really being functional for visual novels. Yeah, it probably does depend on the type of game also. But I don't think I'd trust it for anything else. No, maybe racing games. Those tend to be a little maybe. bit less intensive. But, but I mean, like, some... I mean, if you're looking at Forza and stuff, I mean, visually, they'd be so intensive that it might be a strain. Well, you say that. Racing games tend to be a lot easier to program and run because they essentially... And they'll fill it out with textures and polygons and whatever, but the the car you drive actually isn't normally moving. It's the map that moves yeah. underneath. The same like you might move a piece of wood underneath a, uh, a um, stationary saw, a jigsaw, something like that. But that's besides the point. But I think you made a good point, Kurt, in terms of how much data that would soak up, whether we're ready for that. <clears throat> and I suppose while we're talking about connectivity stuff, like I said, I haven't owned one. What has your experiences both of you been like in terms of day one updates, downloading things and waiting three hours to play a game? Have you found that to be your experience also, or...? Uh, definitely with with PS4. Oh, okay. Um, it's definitely sucky, like, where I am right now, like, I have Ethernet running through my desktop computer, uh, from, like, all the way downstairs, but my PS4 itself is connected wirelessly to a router that's, like, 40 feet away and not very strong. So... Mm it can connect to the internet and I can stream things at not exceptional quality. But if there's a game that requires multiple gigabytes for a download update, then yeah, I'm not going to be able to touch that game for like five hours (laughs) after I put the disc in. Nightmare. How about you, Tex? My experience has been somewhat different. Uh, my internet for where I'm at is relatively good, and my PS4 is um, wired in internally, so um, I can have things downloaded in maybe like five minutes. The problem is, though, is I have two external hard drives dedicated to the machine because um, updates, the entire disk gets stored on your system for some reason, and I only have like 20 games, and I have, like, over 500 gigabytes worth of games. <laughs> and it's just, like, that is so bullshit. Yeah, yeah well, I agree with yeah. that. And um, maybe that's also I, worth talking about. Uh, sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, and I was going to say, I don't know about day one patches, because I waited to get the PS4 when I could get the, I think I got the Last of Us bundle with it. Um, so it came pre-installed with several games, which I think added to the problem. Like, it had, um, The Last of Us as a digital content game, um, which was, like, a good 50 gigabytes. Yeah. Um, 
So, but it's just all very, very time consuming. And I had to give up my personal hard, like some of my personal hard drives to make the thing work. The epitome of a first world problem. <laughs> there, well, it's external hard drives aren't anything to scoff at, like price wise. Or external, I mean. External is a lot more expensive than internal. Yeah, but I mean, they're not stupidly expensive. No, yeah, I know. Not anymore, but like, it's not something I want to pay so that I can pay on top of buying games. Right, I get that element of it. I maintain that the point I made stood. Well, yeah, it's not as bad as their SD cards. The PS Vita ones, yeah. Yeah, and it's not as bad as the Vita ones either. That whole fucked up proprietary economy. Gosh darn you, Rick, and you're suck my left wallet. I don't think I've sworn at least. No, not we, in this we've been episode. doing good. Twenty-five minutes. I'm too straight, tired to and swear. Then Rick decides that he's gonna, you know, break <laughs> everything. I'm, I'm pretty sure I dropped an F bomb earlier. I, maybe you did. I don't know. I probably wasn't paying attention. What anyway, a wonderful person you are. <laughs> wanted to add that if there is one thing that I could do without this generation and I hope is improved in next generation, it's just general file size efficiency mm. for games. Because like we've kind of been skirting around it for the past couple of minutes, but file sizes are just ridiculous. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's bad enough just to install, like, the game data, even if you have a disk copy, you still have to install additional information. But if you actually want to install a digital download of a game, then that is such an extra exorbitant amount of storage that you need for that. Um, Mm. Which really precipitates the need to buy all those SD cards and external hard drives and such. Um, now, I mean, again, I don't want to toot Nintendo's horn too much, but I have been impressed with the file sizes for games like Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey. Well, how big are they? How big do they run? Like a, a 1.3 gigabytes, I think, was... I mean, you'll have to look it up specifically, but it's a lot smaller than um, the other ones. Um, that isn't to say that it has a like less big like total game size. It's just what you actually have to download onto your machine is a lot lower. Yeah. Right, I see. So, I mean, looking at just what I googled, apparently it's about 13 gigabytes, which is still a lot, but compared to like the 40, 50, 60 gigabytes that you'll see for like PlayStation 4 games... Or even yeah. more. Yeah. I mean, to play to play devil's advocate, the Switch games will be generally designed for a smaller or lower res screen. True. Yeah. For what that's worth. But... Um, I think it mainly comes down to publishers and how smart they are about what files they're using. Because I know that they're the average. I'm, I'm going to use this example. The average visual novel is not very big. But there's a specific example of um, a visual novel used all animation on Flash, which made this game that would have been like one gigabyte into 50 gigabytes. And that's an example of using 
bad file properties and bad files to enlarge your game size. So yeah, it, which, it really comes down to public, like publishers and what they're using. Well, developers, I suspect, also. Yeah, yeah developers. Right, okay. So just for comparison, I'm looking at the file size for Bloodborne, which is close to 30. It looks like it's 27. So, I mean, that's more than double Breath of the Wild. And, yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going with that. But well, it's, there is a sorry, disparity God. there. And it's exponential, too, because when you look at... I downloaded a few games on PS3 a while back, and they were all sort of in the 3 to 8 gigabyte range. So that was uh, the God of War remasters, the two smaller Ratchet and Clank games... Uh, Shadow of the Colossus, Eco, Catherine, and they all sort of fell within that kind of number. And for that to be three or four times bigger within a generation. Um, okay, to be fair, a lot of those are remakes, and they use smaller file sizes. I think now they're just not caring. Like They're like, we can handle it now, so just make the files as big as you want. Which, Because um, demands are, like less now it's less taxing on the systems to make them larger yeah i mean it, it will be taxing on the storage that will be the issue because the problem's not going away as things become more high fidelity and that is the push i suspect next gen will see a big push for 4k i don't think they give two shits or they i don't think they care about file size i think they should though because eventually yeah it will become prohibitive because I mean, that was fi- yeah, storage capacity is always impressing me with how much storage we're able to get on new, uh, new devices and stuff. Mm. But at the same time, the price that you pay for that storage isn't really being adjusted for that kind of inflation. So we are continually paying the same rates for things that are being less efficient. And that bums me out. Because if if we keep going at this rate that we're going, and they just keep increasing and increasing and increasing the file sizes, then eventually you're going to be paying, you know, loads out your butt just to be able to have four or five games on your hard drive. Yeah, I thought that would be a problem much earlier with the Switch, in fairness. It, and there was that announcement a few months ago, I think, that there were going to be games that would require you to go out and buy an SD card. Wasn't NBA one of them? Where, unless you have an SD card to install some extra files, you literally cannot play the game. Yeah, they didn't have a deluxe version of the Switch like they did for the Wii U out the gate and I think that was a problem yeah I, I also get why though because the deluxe version of the Switch was really the only viable version I don't think 8 gig storage for a home console was a smart move at all so they probably felt a bit burnt by that and thought well, we can't do a deluxe one because it will make the standard version look bad so I don't know that's my two cents on that one but yeah, broadly, I, I agree with you. At some point, it's going to become a problem. Yeah. Unless publishers and developers are a little bit more responsible. And, I mean, 
I don't know if we can count on that, but we can hope. Yeah, that's true. So, um, what else? We've talked a lot, a lot about Switch and a lot, a lot about PlayStation 4, but, I mean, we haven't really touched on the X-Bone that much. Yeah, well, I think that sort of is the problem, isn't it? (laughs) No one has. I don't really have experience with it, so I can't. I can't say anything. I just know that it's not worth it to buy. Most of the people who are buying consoles now are buying them for exclusives. And there is none to be had. Almost all of the exclusives that they had, they they still have them on PC, and that's what the majority of people are playing on. Yeah. I think, I mean, when, when all of these, when PlayStation 4 and Xbox One came out, I remember there was also this really big push to not just make them like video game consoles, but to also have them as a home entertainment hub. Mm. And I think that was, you know, audacious back then uh, to have that goal. Um, you know what, though? It actually is working. Because um, the, the thing is, like, a lot of the... I'm not what I would call rich, but I've been noticing that a lot of the the richer families have been having them. Um, Nick works in window washing, so he's in rich people's houses all the time, and they all have Xboxes. So it is working for that in that regards as a home entertainment center. Yeah, I think that the rich only people issue... are buying them. <laughs> rich people can buy whatever they want whenever they want, <laughs> but like. I think that's a difficult sell for like the layperson because one the cost expenses but also there are so many devices now that are doing the same thing they just don't necessarily play Xbox games. So I mean mm. you can get a Roku for dirt cheap that's going to play all of your Amazon, all of your Netflix, Hulu, HBO Go, all of that sort of stuff. Um, so I think that the market is becoming, it's weird because they've stepped into an additional market that is now becoming way more competitive and they're trying to be much more expensive, but try to juggle two markets at once. So that could be tricky. Yeah. It's like you say, there's far too many options for, for a big company like Microsoft to carve out a niche. You know what's really no. weird? Their fans. Like how ex- the, their fans are super weird. Like how excited they get over paying more money for like the same product that's not even as good. Well, like this is gonna think... sound pretty rude, but watching them at E3 was like brainwashing. It was really scary. Well, there are a lot of people who have bought into the ecosystem. That's the thing. So, and I think we'll see this more and more as the generations go on. If you owned an Xbox 360 and you bought a few games online, you had Xbox Live and then the Gold and the games that started to come with that. The more things you have in that infrastructure, the less inclined you are to jump shit. And I think if it weren't for that, it would have been much worse for Xbox than it has been. And it's it's funny hearing you say, well, all the rich people own them. Because ironically, I actually think the best thing xbox are doing right now is the value proposition when you look at game pass when you look at ea what do they call the service ea access or whatever it's called you know you pay that yearly subscription and you get a crazy amount of content 
Well, uh, they're not doing that. They're just buying the system outright. No, I, I, I understand the people that you're talking about aren't necessarily buying it for, for Xbox Game Pass. But my, my point is that when you look at Game Pass, it's a very good value proposition. And it's not like these are three or four or five-year-old games. State of Decay 2, is it called, comes out soon if it hasn't already. And that's day one Game Pass. So for the price that you'd pay for that game at retail, you can have that game and all of the games that you want to play, all you can eat for a year. It's just as a, a games per dollar, it or post-Brexit pound or whatever your regional equivalent is, it's a crazy value proposition. Well, that, that brings us into kind of an interesting discussion about being able to compare all of the online services provided by each of the manufacturers. So this is definitely the area where Sony and Microsoft have Nintendo beaten like a peasant beggar. I don't know. The, the Nintendo internet service look, is really cheap and it does look cool. Rooms. It looks cool, but it's so, I guess, nebulous in a sense. Like, I've, I've seen what they're proposing, and I still don't get it. Neither do they, though. That's the problem. Yeah. It's... So, I mean, like, they're proposing this whole library of NES games that you can just, like, pick up and play, like, when you want. If I'm... What, have they partnered with Emmy Paradise? What's happening? <laughs> Boom. Wackity schmackity do. I would pay a little bit a year to be able to play those games legally. That's I. That's my personal viewpoint. As yeah, I would yeah, go I, in I, with a bunch of friends and all play together the, for the eight people pass, and then just play those games legally I and be able to stream them too. Yeah, because in that sense, it's like having your own little arcade at home. Like you just yeah, go in and you're it's able to super play. cool. But and I'm supporting them, and it's legal. I mean, the issue is, I don't think those games still have the value that Nintendo think they do. And from a legal perspective, obviously, they own them, they own the rights to them, yada yada. We'll ignore the controversy that happened when it appeared that the eShop version of Super Mario Brothers was actually pulled directly <laughs> from a ROM hack site. We'll ignore that, we'll put all that to one side. The games are 30 years old. If you are a big Nintendo fan... You might have bought Super Mario, Metroid, whatever, on the Wii Virtual Console, on the Wii U Virtual Console, if you couldn't get your Wii to transfer over. You might have bought it again on the 3DS Virtual Console. So you've bought this game three times at £5 a time, which I think is at least £4 more than it's worth at this stage. And then you're being asked to pay a rolling subscription to continue having access to those. I don't think it makes any sense. Now, if it was a case of one pound a pop, it's yours forever, and it will be available on the systems that, that come subsequently, I could almost get behind that, I think. But I, I don't think those classic games, certainly not SNES, N64 backwards, I don't think they really retain the value that would justify that business model. But that gets into, like intrinsic extrinsic value theory and stuff and i mean like you you saying that uh each individual game would only be worth one pound for you i mean yeah. that 
is going to be very different than how somebody else values it. I mean, that's getting into relativism, but in a sense, I mean, let's look at Super Mario Brothers. Theoretically, uh, you could beat that game, a, a lay person, if they know where the warp exits are, they could beat that game in under an hour. So if you're going by value to dollars, however you equate those things in your mind, then you're going to come out to some fixed number for you. Um, Which is why value to dollar is the most stupid and asinine way of working out whether or not you should play the game. Exactly, yeah. Our value dollar, all of those three factors coming into a trifecta is always an issue that really shouldn't have as much of a weight as it does. Yeah, it can occasionally be relevant. It certainly shouldn't be what you base it on. It, maybe it helps. Where I'm coming from with this is, I would call it a pragmatic approach. So if I went on Steam and I bought um, Celeste, let's say, let's say I get that on sale for, for five or six pounds, that's something that someone made very recently that they're presuming, re- presumably relying on the sale money from to live and make their next project. It's something that is recent, it's programmed with modern sensibilities, all the rest of it. If you compare that to a classic Nintendo game, not only do they have no cost to put that to you bar putting it on their online storefront. And I think that's the biggest issue for me, the fact that that game has paid for itself 50, 60 times over. How can you justify asking such a a comparatively large number for it. But not only that... Second point's escaped me, but I think think you follow. Sort of. Um... I just don't personally agree with it. In in my personal opinion... What surprise, you and me have different opinions. That's (laughs) never happened before. It's just... I... This is like a very... Like a personal opinion... But having grown up with solely Nintendo and not being allowed to play anything else but Nintendo because everything else was deemed unchristian, I would 100% think that those have enough nostalgia and enough personal meaning behind, like, to me, to to justify paying a a yearly subscription to play those games that I played when I was younger. Okay, and that, that for me slightly misses the point. I understand why you might be willing to pay that. My proposition is rather, should you be expected to pay that? And and my, my argument would be, no, you shouldn't, because that game has paid for itself 60, 70, 80 times over. Well, the for certain people... provided yes. to you is practically zero, and the cost that you pay for it should reflect that. For some people, it's kind of paid its way 60 however many times over. Like, if you do buy it every single generation, then... Yeah, then you're getting into the issue of personal value. Am I really going to pay for this yet again? Uh, Whereas, I mean, somebody might be coming at it for the first time. And for them, you really do have to price it as if they're coming at it for the first time. I think there is some trickiness in the sense that if you look at a, a service like GOG where the game that I buy today, I'm going to be able to keep that file forever. Like, whether or not it is updated in the sense that whatever hardware I have in the 10 years, it may or may not run on that hardware. If there's an apocalypse, GOG shuts down, 
all of their servers go away. I don't know if I'm going to be able to play that in 20 years, but the idea is there. On the other hand, if I were to, say, buy a... Uh, if I were to buy the license for Super Mario Brothers today, and Nintendo says, okay, you've bought the license for Super Mario Brothers, you are covered for the next infinite generations of consoles that we put out. Uh, next generation, you're going to have Super Mario Brothers. You don't have to pay for it again because you have the license. Three generations later, still have the license. A lifetime license, I guess. So... Mm -hmm. I guess I'm of a split mind on it because I th I don't even know necessarily where I'm going with this because I like it when GOG does it. Um, but at the same time, I think that a publisher like Nintendo, since they're curating their own store of their own intellectual properties, then I think they kind of have to keep charging every individual generation just for rights sake no i don't agree with that i think maybe that stems out of the fundamental problem that nintendo's online systems have which is they're tied still to the console rather than to the account i noticed that with my 3ds when i went to buy shin megami tensei 4 which i'll talk about as a game later on when we get to that but I'm very wary buying anything from Nintendo digitally because I know that if someone spills a drink on my console or if a capacitor goes and that system then is dead, so is the game that I own. And I, I think that in this example is another reason why I don't think the price is justified because it's a, a caveat emptor. It lasts as long as everything around it lasts type thing rather than the infinite license that you propose. And I think... If the proposition was Mario Bros, £5, we guarantee it will work on everything now and in the future, that upkeep, I think, then justifies the price, I think. But as is, I don't think you can. I, I guess I'm still split, because on the one hand, I absolutely agree with you that it should be tied to account instead of console. But... I still think I'm of the mind that if you are buying Super Mario Brothers for the Switch, then you should get Super Mario Brothers for the Switch. If there's a Switch 2 in 10 years, then I think they have every right to say, okay, buy Super Mario Brothers for Switch 2. And even, right. saying, even saying it now, I'm a little less sure of it, but... I yeah. I think I get you. And where I'd maybe differentiate it is if you have a copy of Breath of the Wild for the Switch, when they make a Switch 2, Nintendo generally are quite good with backwards compatibility anyway. But let's say that Switch games don't work on the Switch 2. That's fine. I bought a game for the Switch. I expected it to work with that console. I didn't expect it to work with anything in the future. Whereas if you're buying something that is ostensibly a self-contained emulator on that system, I don't see any reason why you can't port that emulation rather simply to the modern sophisticated hardware that you build the next time round. 
And so I, I don't see the justification to then say, ah, sorry, new console, you have to give us five pounds again. Yeah. This is probably a bigger <laughs> conversation that we could have on its own. Yeah, I mean, all I'm gonna say is, when you're buying Breath of the Wild for the Wii U, you don't complain when it doesn't play on Switch. Right, but then when you buy Super Mario for the NES, you don't complain when it doesn't work on the Super NES. That's sort of my yeah. point. When you're buying, and then you buy it for the Super NES when it doesn't work on that one. If you want to play it on that system, you buy it for that system. If it's actually taken some effort to port, then yeah. Which the the versions on the Switch have. They've been ported for Switch. I dispute You're how much effort for the port. I dispute how much effort that took. Yeah, well, the thing is, thirty. you're paying 30 for a year for eight people. And then if you, like, do the math on how much that would be a month and how many games you get out of it, you're paying, like, a dollar per game. Which is the worth it for the effort for the port? A dollar a day? Is it thirty a month? No, it's thirty a year. Okay. You're paying like a dollar per game for the year. Oh, per game. I see what you mean. But then that, that assumes you play all thirty in that year. Well, like yeah, but I mean you don't have to. I think at that point, just having it be on the Switch and be an option for that year is worth it. That dollar for me. I think. You'd need more games than that for me to say that that's a fair price, well, given, you, again, the age and the availability and well, all the rest. But it, it's not that just for like that. That you don't like Nintendo. Thir- it, the $30 isn't just for that service. It's for the whole online service. Which, again, yeah, they they also, with, they? the whole online service is also kind of a mess because specifically the whole voice chat thing where you need a separate app on your phone just to voice chat with people you're playing with. That should not exist. I personally think for streamers, this is an excellent deal because it means you get to stream not only their their games legally, but it doesn't cost a whole lot and you get access to all of those games that you can now stream legally without repercussions. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo will still claim the revenue on your stream, but that's... (laughs) I'm getting wry, why would you say that looks, just so you're aware, lovely (laughs) listeners. I don't know. I just think our values are different, and I think it's worth it for me, but it might not be for you. So that's okay, that, great. That's probably, speech, so. that's probably the best place to leave it diplomatically. And I, I will guess, be getting <laughs> at some point. And I guess, once again, I'm kind of falling in that middle ground where I'm not even on the same stance that I was initially. I still... I don't know, because... I want to believe much more in consumer rights than corporate rights. And in that sense, I definitely think for consumers' rights that you should buy a license and it lasts a lifetime. But at the same time, I also understand that just for the sake of preservation, and I mean, you can argue that emulation uh, keeps up preservation, but not in a so-called legit way. I just made air quotes for those people who are listening and don't have webcams as we do. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. What else? Does anybody have anything else to add about this console? The actual consoles rather than the... (laughs) I want this to be over with. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we've been going for like 40 minutes straight on this. So. I'm too tired talking about yeah. this, and I'm going to say things that aren't great, and I probably already have, and I just don't want to talk about this anymore. I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> All right, well then, let's go. Let me, let me end on a positive note. Sure. I think the controllers this time around are phenomenal. The Switch controllers? No, they're garbage. I love How the Joy-Cons. I think they're the best thing. I adore they... the Joy-Cons. I, I think the triggers could be a little bit better. I'd probably say the same thing about the X-Bone controller, actually. I think the DualShock nailed everything. But yeah. I, well, I think the Joy-Cons on the whole work really, really well. You know what's really weird about it is I have incredibly small hands, and I don't feel like it's solid enough. Because I'm so used to it being so much bigger than my hands that I don't have any, like... I don't have, like, a good solid grasp on it. It's, like, it's weird. It's supposed to be bigger than my hand. It's not supposed to fit it perfectly. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. It's the same thing that I, I loved certain games on the Wii for. Sort of the, the ability to sort of lounge back a little bit, have your arms sat where they would naturally fall either side, and just be hitting the buttons with your fingers, not having to worry what you're doing with your hands. It's the hands of your arm. laziness. Yeah, but it's just so good. But you, you, are, you are right that the DualShock wins this generation as far as controllers yeah. go. PS4 controllers, real good, yeah. I don't even mind the touchpad. I don't either. Uh, I think I that, like it. Yeah. Because I can use it on visual novels as a as an enter. Yeah. So it's super cool. It's think... nice for the... This might be a weird use case. Certainly I'm probably one of the few people doing it. But if you have a PlayStation TV and you're playing a Vita game that requires certain touch inputs, you can just use the touchpad for that and click it in to tap on but, the screen. But if you have the, the Vita are already, why would you do that? Because sometimes I like to play things on the bigger screen. Yeah, but you have the Vita sitting there that you can still use to input. You, If you're using the PlayStation TV, it takes the Vita cartridge. Uh, well, but the, can't you still technically use the Vita in, to input buttons? No. No, oh, okay, never mind it, then. It only takes input from a DualShock 3 or 4, and I have mm. one paired up. It's a lovely piece of kit, in fairness. It, it would be a recommendation on its own, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I got mine very cheap. They're starting to get more and more expensive. If you can grab one, now's the time. Great way of playing PS1, PSP, and Vita. So, speaking of recommendations, I'm going to make an executive decision, and we're going to swap things around a little bit, since that first segment was so long. Let's go ahead and do <laughs> both of your host segments, then we'll go to intermission. We'll come back for the rest of it. So, who wants okay. to go first? Me, with the one, the only, recommendations. The only true host segment, as you at home know, and as your congressman will know, if you followed my advice last time. So... This episode's recommendation, and it's been on my mind because the next film in its series is less than a year away, and that is John Wick. Uh. <laughs> Never seen it. You need to fix that. As do you, lovely listener, if you haven't yet. It is the perfect action film. Is it so a British action film? Pardon? Or is it, is it American or is it British? As in the actors or... Yeah, or like the directors or whatever. Uh, Keanu Reeves is the star. I don't know who that is. Keanu Reeves? Mr. Matrix. Oh, Ke Keanu. You said it weird. Okay, so it's American. You say lots of things weird, and I don't bring most of them up. Well, I, I think we know the pronunciation for Keanu Reeves. He's one of ours. 
Yeah, because I absolutely hate British action films. I think that they're really terrible. I've never liked James Bond. It's not terrible. James Bond is quite smug about itself. John Wick, John Wick just sort of grabs you by the scruff of the neck and doesn't let you go for 90 minutes. It's very emotionally hitting as well, but in a way that's not preachy or cringy, I think. I really, really loved it. As I'm I sure. like animated action better. In terms of how it flows and everything, I think it comes off as though it could have been, because Keanu does most, if not all, of the stunts himself, and the shots are generally a little bit more... Um, long than you might normally expect. A lot of action films are quite awful for the camera jumping around at 300 miles an hour and you can't really tell much of what's going on at all. One of the great things about John Wick is it stops one place and it lets the action happen. It lets you actually see what on earth's going on. So that's my recommendation. 10 out of 10, the film of our time. It is the modern citizen Keanu and you should watch it. (laughs) Did you have that planned, or? Oh, I wish I had that planned. No, it just it Does just it happened. The moment. Just have happened. you actually seen Citizen Kane? Regrettably, not yet. I just watched it recently, and it is so so good. It is worth it. I I didn't think it because it's like a two and a half hour movie, and I was like, <laughs> ugh. But it is so so good. Mm. Well, I'll we'll go on my list. Is that, that is that is your, never going to get done. I guess that's He's not exactly that. hot out of the toaster. It's... No, it's like it's 60 years old. I think it's more um, than 60. Hot out of the fire. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like um, 80 years old at this point. Uh, yeah, it came out in 1941. So close to 40. I'm uh, not 40, 80. Yeah, close. Yeah, close to 80 years. Um, have you seen Paprika yet? Like, you said you were going to watch it. I've still got the tab open from when I said a word. I haven't yet. Do it. Watch it in Japanese, though, because the English does not, right? So, yes, uh, that is also on my list. So It is so good. It's my favorite movie. All right. Hot out of the toaster. Uh, I think it's fresh out of the toaster. Well, I thought it, it was at first, but I thought we changed it to hot. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. It's so Whatever funny. it is, it's a poor imitation of recommendations, so it doesn't really... Now it's going to be steaming. Steaming. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, oh, I don't know if I have anything to to recommend. Uh, I'll see. Yet one more bad mark against the segment. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what have I been doing? Uh... Nope, not sure. I think I've already recommended everything that I... Have I recommended Yakusoku no Neverland? I don't think so. That one's super, super good. It is like... um, It's like a prison escape manga, but it's like with children at an orphanage and like angry angry cooking mama, and it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Well, I love cooking mama. Making her angry is just like the sugar on top. It's 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 good, I think. Yeah. I think. Well, it's coming out with an anime at some point, but people are always like if it doesn't have an anime, don't bother me and it's just like you're such a piece of shit. <laughs> just read it and be done with it. God damn. And I still 
am bereft of my own host segment. So, uh, did I even use that word properly? Who knows? But, uh, yeah. We I'll hope see. you give me a background. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and I, I can't really recommend much because all I've really been doing this past couple of weeks is binge reading My Hero Academia. And oh my god, it's so good, isn't it? Yeah, nobody really needs me to recommend that to them because everybody oh, so good. should be watching or reading it. All Might is the Ooh, best thing that has ever happened. He is my favorite character from like for a long time. I love All Might. He's so inspiring and wholesome. Oh, and uh, Morio, if you've gotten that far, is also super, super cool. Oh my god, spoilers. <laughs> well, I mean, they introduce characters intermittently because it's a school and there's going to be, you know, like, people. So you can suck yeah. 10 dicks. There are so many characters. Who, who's don't... your favorite so far? Oh, okay. So we're talking about that then. Okay. Um, I am... You know, I probably gotta go with Ida. My boy Ida. Really? I love Ida. Hmm, interesting. Um, but other than him, I He really... kind of reminds me of you a little bit. <laughs> so that... you're a narcissist. That is a compliment to me. If if I can be <laughs> like Ida, then I'm doing something right with my life. Um, I also love Earphone Jack. Oh, she's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I like her. I like the, her aesthetic more than I like her personality, though. I think she was designed really well. Same with Froppy. I like the way she looks better than I actually like her. Froppy. Uh, I do enjoy Froppy a lot. Um, and, you know, honestly, Bakugo. <laughs> I, I love Bakugo. He has such great character depth, like, later on, going forward. And I just want him to end up with Ochako, and I don't care who knows it. <laughs> People can say it's terrible. I don't care. It's good. It's terrible. Underrated ship. Just like you. Thanks. <laughs> All right. It's good comeback. You like that. So, enough of that. Let us play you some smooth dulcet tones of whatever I pick this week. And what I have chosen this week is Dancing in the Jungle. It's a remix by Cyril the Wolf of the Brinstar Plant Overgrowth Area theme from Super Metroid, courtesy of ocremix.org.
When am I going to do the DK rap, by the way? Yeah. The sooner the better, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. <laughs> there are people... One of my friends is waiting on it, so you oh, better are not they disappoint. Really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I must have so much going on. <laughs> oh, no. He, he... <laughs> it's Joey, so he kind of just sits around with... Uh... He doesn't have much going on. <laughs> what with all that not really having like limbs and stuff. I like <laughs> one of my friends was listening to the podcast and they heard me make that promise and they reminded me because I had forgotten. So I only just remembered myself. And I thought everybody else would have forgotten, but I guess. Alas. Honestly, I sort of had. <laughs> But then I don't have the same hard-on for the DK series that you guys do. That's understandable. We'll fix that someday. I've never actually finished Donkey Kong 64. <gasps> what kind of a fan are you? Well, well I mean, honestly, it's not really a platformer like the other ones. It's more... Well, it, it is, but it's not as good. It's a collect-a-thon, yeah. Yeah. It's more like Banjo-Kazooie, and it's not as good. Yeah, not even remotely. The music's good, and I liked some of the characters that they added in. Like, I liked Tiny, but that was mostly because I was young when I played it. I really liked the mechanics of it, but, like, the actual level design is horrendous. And it's irritating when you actually put those game mechanics into play. Yeah. Like, actually having to go back, get the right character, and then go through it again with the right characters. Like, nah, not yeah. really working for Basically, me. Basically, to give you a sense of it, Rick, so every level is, like, this big, open 3D playground. But okay. every single hallway you go down, there are multicolored bananas. So if they're yellow bananas, you can only pick those up with Donkey Kong. But oh, I think I heard about this, actually, yeah. Also, yeah, red bananas, but you can't pick those up with Donkey Kong. You have to go to a barrel, switch to Diddy Kong, run back through the hallway to get those red bananas. So you're constantly backtracking, and it's just not fun, because it's... Imagine if you're actually a kid on a playground, and you have to do the monkey bars, like, five times in a row before you're allowed to go down the slide. Yeah, I mean, it's that kind of shit that would make me just tell a game, nope, done, fuck you. It's oh, like that loud um, We're R-rated now. It's fun for, like, the first maybe, you know, like, hour or two of playing. It's really good in fun, like, in doses. But then when you're actually trying to finish the game, it gets really, really boring. Hmm. Anyway, for the um, sake of time, let's uh, jump right in. Running out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, uh... We've been on for an hour already, so we're doing all right. Not really, but we'll say no. that. <laughs> so, recently beat currently playing. Who wants to go? I feel like I go first every time. I'll hand it over. All right. I have mine pulled up, so I'll just... Then you, you, you your turn. Uh, so, recently beat. Since last time we recorded, there's actually quite a few of these because... I finished up my semester at school and all of my stuff I had to take care of back home. So mostly I've just been working really easy shifts at my job, coming home, and then just binge playing games. So I finished Castlevania Circle of the Moon. Woo! Yeah. um, The end of the game, like the second half of the game, was still a lot of fun. But 
I found that there are like a lot of ways that you can cheese it. Like there's that one power up you can get that heals you slowly. And yes, uh, if you just stand still, so you find a spot, you wait for a bit, and then you keep going. Yeah, well, it's different. It's so bizarre because you would think that a broken power like that would at least require a lot of magic, but it doesn't. Just doesn't. It doesn't at all. Like. You can stand still, regain your entire health bar, and you've only lost maybe like a sixteenth of your magic bar by the time it's up. So if you're fighting a boss and you lose like most of your health, you can find a safe spot and just wait for your health to refill. And then I did that a lot. Yeah. So (laughs) easy to cheese, but still a very fun game. Enjoyed it a lot. Next was Titan Souls. Um, oh, is that the one arrow archery game thing? Yeah, yeah. So for anybody who's not familiar with it, it's basically a boss rush game. Um, aesthetic very similar to Hyper Light Drifter, which has kind of established its own indie aesthetic, I think. Um, but in any event, it was... It's a game where you have one hit point, so take a hit and you're dead. Um, But the bosses also only have one hit point. So you pretty much have to memorize their patterns, uh, evade as much as you can, and wait for them to show their weak point. And then you have your one single arrow that you have to hope that it strikes true and defeats your nemesis. And if you miss, you have to sort of pick it back up again, don't you? Yeah, there is fortunately like a summon button where you can summon the arrow back to you, but you're stuck standing still while it's coming back, so if the boss is throwing stuff at you, then you're in danger during that time. Mm. It was pretty good. Um, It's one of those things where I bought it way back and just played it recently. Yeah. If I had played it, like, right after getting it, I probably would have been a little disappointed. Um, This is one of those instant, rare instances where I think that hour-to-dollar ratio kind of comes into play. Um, I think it took me, let's see... It took me less than two hours. Um, And I believe the original asking price when I bought it was... 15 or something? I don't remember. Sounds about right, yeah. I think yeah. it was £11.15. And it just wasn't... There wasn't quite enough content to it to justify. And the content that there was was a little too... A uh, little too shallow, I think. Um, you know, the bosses are pretty easy to kill quickly once you figure out the first couple of moves of their pattern so anyway next up I finally finished my replay of the first Phoenix Wright game Um, won't touch on that too much since I have talked so much about Ace Attorney in the past Uh, I played and beat Runner 3 the third in the Bit.Trip Runner series I believe you were interested to hear about that Rick I was interested in to hear why it was any different from the freemium endless runners you would just uh, get. <laughs> and I think the, the consensus was sort of, well, it isn't, but... Yeah, and I, I still don't know if I have a great answer for that, 
Um, but this one is definitely heavy on content. I mean, every level pretty much has two routes that you can take through it. So there's the easy route that you go through first. Beating <clears throat> it unlocks a harder route that you can do. Um, there are all sorts of collectibles that you can get in the levels. Um, you can unlock additional worlds that aren't actually endless runners. They're actually more like straight-up platformers. There's but actually... bound to endless running controls. No, actually. Um, oh, you, you have free okay. left-right jump movement in those. Um, hmm. There's actually... There are only three of the endless runner worlds, and then there are three of the platforming worlds. So half of the game is actually not like that, which is pretty fun. Well, I suppose that differentiates it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. I, it was fun. I It was actually a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um mm -hmm. It was the sort of thing where after I beat it, there was a lot of content left over that I just didn't have the patience to go back and do because it was a rental. But I imagine if I had bought it, I probably would have been a little more incentivized to go further with it. Mm. Moving on, I'm not even halfway, it looks like. Next was Aviary Attorney on your recommendation, Rick. What a game. I played through that. I had a weird time with it, honestly. Um, okay. So, I really enjoyed the middle two cases. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but the first one and the last one really bit me in the rump. How so? I, I'm with you on the last one. I thought the first case was okay. But I, I definitely agree cases two and three are the strongest. I think my issue with case one was more from a storytelling perspective. Um okay. I can't really say much without spoiling it, but I didn't like the twist. Okay. I didn't feel... <clears throat> How should I phrase this? So, Aviary Attorney is very much riffing on Ace Attorney. Um, there are a lot of connections in there that you wouldn't really get if you haven't played Ace Attorney. Um it's still... Which, just FYI for the audience, I haven't and still enjoyed it. But Yeah, yeah. I think that you can still enjoy it, but, like, there are certain references that you have to have played Ace Attorney in order to understand and stuff. So, in that sense, it's very much a riff on Ace Attorney, but I felt like the ending of the first case was too much trying to be a subversion. Yeah. And I felt that it didn't properly establish the tone or the narrative for the rest of the plot. Hmm. It seems like it was introduced and then never really properly dealt with in a way. Well, I think, weirdly for that game, a lot of the story didn't tie all that well together. From a from a moment-to-moment -moment perspective you definitely get lost in the world mm -hmm. and the the characters and the tone and the setting all feel very realistic and and believable and engaging but i think in terms of a cohesive narrative it's very much a failure and that's not to say that the game is bad or the story is bad per se i think it's more that it serves a purpose which is 
facilitating the humor and all the other moment to moment things. Would you agree? I, I definitely think I agree with that. Um, uh, out of curiosity, which of the endings did you get? Uh, the first time through, I got the middle ending, but I ended up getting all three. Okay, so you've seen all three of them. I yes. got I got what I guess would be considered the best ending. Um, so is that the one where at the pivotal moment you do intervene and you intervene successfully? Yes. Right, yeah. okay. Made a point of saying that in a spoiler-free manner. <laughs> Very tactfully, I might add. Um, oh, thank you. So I got that ending, and I will admit that I was very disappointed, even though that was the best of them. Yeah, I I was let down that there wasn't really a trial aspect in the last uh, act of it. Yeah, the the ending's a damp squib no matter which route you choose. Okay, are there actual trials in the other endings? Um, I saw a video of one of them that looked like it had a trial. It is, but it's a trial in the sense of if I were to analogize it, I would I would analogize it to those awful battles you get in JRPGs where it doesn't tell you that you you have to lose to progress, but you you can't really right. progress per se. You're just sort of of going through the motions. Gotcha. So um, in any event, I I would definitely say I agree with you. Uh, the aesthetic of it, the writing on like a moment-to-moment basis is very strong. I don't think that the, you know, how you solve the murders is very innovative or thought-provoking. The, actu- the actual mysteries are pretty open and shut, mm-hmm. which was a little disappointing coming from Ace Attorney. But yeah. the actual, I mean, the cross-examinations are still fun. You can mm-hmm. get some good flavor text out of that. Um, and the characters are a hoot. But <laughs> you I can tell that you hate yourself just a tiny bit from Oh, that, but... not even a tiny bit. <laughs> I won't sleep tonight. Alright. I think the humor is the main thing. It, if you look at it, you'll know whether it's for you or not. For and sure. the humor lands far more than it misses. But yeah. I agree with that one hundred percent. Three more to go. Whew. Okay, so <laughs> I played and beat Cuphead, another kind of like Titan Souls boss rush type game. So good. Um, Is it good? I've been on the fence for it. Yeah, it it was pretty darn good. Um, Worth every cent. Yeah, I I will say that uh, it it was worth the asking price. Um, That's another thing where just visually it is so jaw-droppingly astounding that it earns its keep beta based on that alone. Uh, the gameplay is also very strong, but I did kind of have the impression that I would almost just rather watch this as a movie than actually have mm. a controller in my hands and have to play through it. That's not a fault of the game in any way. It's It was just my personal taste. Um, so I think that's all I'll say about that. Um I'm going to skip over the next one for now because I have a lot to say about it, but I'll just jump to Metroid Zero Mission, which was actually my 1,000th completion. Oh, and what a game to make to 1,000. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it, it's Metroid, so... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say about it that hasn't already been said. Mm. Um, it's, it was a load of fun. Um, 
you know, very short, but I didn't take issue with that. Um, and even the added mini campaign, the like stealth campaign that they added to Zero Mission, I thought I would hate it, but it doesn't slow down the gameplay at all. Uh, it's a little light on content, so I mean, if you are going into it expecting something very robust, you might be a little disappointed. But for what it is, it's you know a nice little stealthy run and gun shooty shoot. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so the last... God, this is taking so long. The last game that I beat uh, between the last episode and now was Detroit Become Human. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and I Go on, have, give us this kitty. I have a lot of conflicting feelings about it. <laughs> so that's kind of honestly how I felt... A, about pretty much all David Cage games. I'm going to be honest for a second, and I think that he gets a bad rap in a lot of ways. Um, mm. Even though his games are objectively a mess. <laughs> if you look at them narratively and in terms of the themes that they're trying to express, they are often complete and utter failures in that <laughs> department. <laughs> and I that's being generous. Now, that definitely comes into play in Detroit, because it's a game with a lot to say, but it doesn't actually know what it's saying, in a sense. Okay. It is, by its nature, a political game that somehow manages to not say anything politically meaningful. So... Like, it's it's so bizarre because you can choose, basically, as you play through the game to go, I'm going to be a violent protester or I'm going to be a nonviolent protester. And right. to its credit, I think it treats both of them as equally viable in the end, but it also, it rewards you for flip-flopping at the same time. Um, and it's so bizarre because you can choose to do a nonviolent protest. Uh, you can choose if people are shooting at you not to shoot back and public opinion will turn in your favor, but you'll get these little uh, snippets of like news outlets who are all just crapping on you. And there's a little bit of, implausible deniability there because what do you mean the news shapes public opinion so much so i mean i would like to we would all like to believe that we aren't influenced by what the media tells us but if every news media outlet is telling you that that androids are bad let's go with the literal example then public opinion isn't going to be supportive in general. Okay. At least not in my experience in studying history and whatnot. So you feel that there was there was a dissonance between what was happening in the media in the game and what was happening with the characters' perceptions around you? Yeah, I mean, it, w it okay. would be so bizarre. You would walk into uh, a public square... 
in the beginning of the game, and this is like the public square where everybody decided on the same day they were going to come in and talk about how much they hate androids. So there's that implausibility there that this was randomly the hub for people to individually decide they were going to... Like, there's one group shouting, androids are taking our jobs in one corner. Then there's a crazy preacher in another corner saying androids are godless. Then there's a street performer who's playing a guitar and his sign says, listen to music with heart in it and stuff. So it's just, like, a little unbelievable that, like, every aspect of anti-android culture is coming into play here. Uh, so all of that is going on, and then you look at your little meter in the screen that appears after every chapter, and it says, public opinion is indifferent to you. And I don't see that represented in the game world. Right. Uh, what I will say, which is a little bit of, I think, unintentional brilliance on David Cage's part, is he has completely not to his own credit managed to address the criticisms of his games that his characters are robotic and a little vaguely unsettling <laughs> by actually making them robots oh dear so... <laughs> props to him if he did that on purpose I, I 100% don't believe he did I don't think he's smart enough for that But there's a part of me that would love to think there was someone in the office thinking let's make it as a joke as a how we'll show them type thing and it just snowballed <laughs> but yeah I mean it. there's one character who falls prey to um, have either or both of you played The Walking Dead season 1 I have, no, I don't but it's the only, the only okay. season I've played. So just uh, to to bring you into what I'm about to say, there's a character named Kenny in uh, those games who basically any time... Is he the old angry guy? He, I don't know if he's old. <laughs> he, he's not like old, old. He's like a redneck type guy. Another one. Okay, yeah. So basically... Anytime you do anything that is remotely not 100% what he wants, then your esteem in his eyes just drops. So if he's like, apples are my favorite fruit, and you're like, oh yeah, I like peaches, then he hates you. Just hates you. And there are a lot of memes about Kenny because of that. And Detroit has its own version of Kenny, who no matter what you do, he is never satisfied. <laughs> and that. it becomes a bummer when the way that he reacts to you and the way that the plot develops is based around how he feels about you. So, that was a So it makes it sort of feel unduly difficult. Is that what you mean? Yeah, but difficult not in the sense of like... I could get past this with skill, or I could get past this with, you know, any sort of knowledge of the game mechanics. It's literally just, do I, you know, do I shoot this character or not? I have no clue, because I don't know how he's going to react to it. Okay. Like, Maybe frustrating is the better word. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Um, how, how does the story overall fare? Because it... 
from the outside, it seems like it's been made into a very um, pastiche, on-the-nose sort of attempt at a commentary on rape, oh, where yeah. <laughs> I think there, there are so many better things you could have talked about through that lens. It is. I think Yahtzee made that point when, when he did his review recently. It is very thinly veiled. And, yeah, I, I think... I'll go in two directions with this. So, I enjoyed it. Like, the narrative beats that went along, lots of them were cliche, and lots of them were very tropey. I mean, I don't want to spoil it too much, but there's literally a scene where a character... Like, there are two androids that are the same model, okay? And there's a character... Let me back up. There are two androids who have the same model. They get into a scuffle with each other. And there's a character who points a gun at them. And after the scuffle, he can't tell which is which anymore. So it's the whole, no, I'm the real person. And then the other android is saying, no, I'm the real person. That's such an American cartoon cliche. It so is. And, like, there's no way that you can play that straight anymore. Like, you, you have to do it as a joke. Or it just falls completely flat. And even as a joke, it's a little stale. But anyway, the narrative is fun for what it is. There's lots of fun action scenes um, in the sense of, you know, building your relationships and building your resistance. All of that is fun as it is. When it gets into the race stuff, it is absolutely half-baked. Because you're right, they could and should have done something that is a much more... I guess, relevant issue. Not that race isn't a relevant issue, but they're attacking it from the stance of, you know, 1960s race relations, which we have moved very far beyond. And there are much more nuanced issues that need to be looked at. So Detroit is trying to solve a problem that was resolved 50 years ago instead of resolving an issue that is current. The impression I get from the outside, and obviously I haven't played the game, is that you you have a hammer, you're building a house, you have a hammer, there's a nail in front of you, and instead you dip that hammer in a paint pot and try and paint the new wall with it. It, it seems to me that there are so many pertinent issues around AI and um, what it means to be human and, and conversations that would flow naturally from an android focused story it seems to me that it takes more effort to turn that into a race thing than it does to just tell the story that comes out of the characters does that make sense does that wash with your experience it's not as much of a stretch as i think you think it is okay um because i mean the way that it is set up in universe makes sense um, they actually do a good job of world building mm-hmm. t- to that element. Um, I actually found that aspect of it quite believable, whereas I didn't okay. find other things believable. I mean, to me, the idea that uh, we have, that the people in this universe have androids, and these androids are basically replacing the population. So, uh, naturally, there's going to be some pushback to it, and not entirely incorrect pushback. Um, But I think that the way 
I think that the exposition is well done. I don't think that the actual narrative development out of that exposition is necessarily well done. Right. So I don't want to talk too much about it because I've already gone on way too long. (laughs) There we go. I'll just say a quick word about my currently playing, which is that I'm pretty much playing what I've been playing all along. Uh, The only additions to that, I started Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Justice for All, being as it's the sequel to the first one, and I'm trying to replay the whole series. And the other game that I've been recently playing is Pikmin 3. On Wii? Or on GameCube? Oh yeah, it came out. Yeah. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if I have much else to say. I like the new Pikmin varieties. I am sad that the purple and the white Pikmin are not there. But... Yeah. Good game. Do play. Well, if and when I get a Wii U, maybe... All right, so I have been talking for 30 minutes, and I need to go on vocal rest, so somebody else please stop me. (laughs) Supreme Leader, we could listen to you talk all day. I will jump in next because I actually haven't completed anything new in the past two weeks, so all I really have to go on are the things I've been playing. And actually, quickly, I did retire one game, and that is Time and Eternity, or you might know it as Toki Toa. Which is I know it as a, neither of those things. You don't need to know it as anything because it's pretty shit, okay. in fairness. It's quite frustrating because I, there was the beginnings of a decent idea in there. So briefly, it's um, an Image Park cheapo RPG thing. And um, Why are you laughing, Toast? What's going on? No reason. No, you don't laugh for no reason. Unless, actually, to be fair, you are a bit of a weirdo. But then, <laughs> what's going on? What's going no, on? No. Okay, okay. So, the concept is you get shot down on your wedding day. Your wife happens okay. to have time traveling abilities, so she goes back to try and save you. But she also has a split personality. And the big draw of the game is that it's all sort of anime style. It's all hand drawn. The animations are very stale. The combat is very stilted. There's a good idea at the core of it, which is sort of moving close to the enemy and far away using guns and daggers and abilities. But there's something missing from it. Moving around the world is awful because you move very, very slowly and the encounter rate is quite high. And the, the game does quite a poor job of signposting what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to do it. So I, I gave it a fair shake. I gave it a back. And it, it just didn't grab me. So I've retired that. In terms of what I'm playing, it's all sort of 3DS shit, apart from Stuntman on the PS2, which... Wait, this sounds familiar. I was playing the Game Boy Advance port about two months back. Ah. So this is sort of the big console version. Now and I've, I've ended up playing them in reverse. <laughs> I've ended up sort of playing them in reverse order because I played the sequel, Ignition, a few years ago. Then I played the GBA port of the original a couple of months back, 
and now I'm playing the original. And I think I would like it a lot more if I hadn't played the sequel first. Because the the physics in the original is still a bit funky. It doesn't signpost things as well as the sequel does. I actually think the GBA port comes out a little bit better and is aged a bit better than the oh, PS2 yeah. version. But it, it's still really good. I mean, I'm enjoying it, and I wouldn't say don't play it. If it sounds like it's got your street, I if you if you have to choose between the two, I think Ignition is a much better game. Probably much easier to get hold of now as well, actually, because it came on, on PS2 and PS3. But it's still good. It's still good. And then in terms of the 3DS, I have four games on the go. So if I quickly rattle... The first is the port of Return of Samus on the 3DS, Samus oh, Returns. so good. I actually really am enjoying it, yeah. I was I was a little bit sceptical going in because I'd, I'd heard quite a lot of the mixed discussions around it. And I didn't realize there were mixed discussions. I thought everybody loved it. I don't think the graphics look that good. They're um, lovely in 3D. The 3D okay, is really okay. nice. Because when they were showcasing it, it looked like poop. It doesn't look all that impressive or grant me and I genuinely think I would have preferred a pixel art style a bit more akin to last night or some of the more recent pixel arts where they really pop out and they give you some perspective work but the 3D is nice it's, it's more than serviceable and actually using the 3D capabilities of the 3DS it really really pops I'm still not sure I'm sold on the melee counter really? and the way all of that works really I it's so if it wasn't a, if it wasn't a Metroid game, I don't think I'd mind. But it doesn't feel Metroid in the sense that what I love playing um, Fusion and Super Metroid is that it's all sort of about zoning and moving around and making sure that you keep the requisite distance between yourself and your opponent and putting yourself in the right place to do things. Whereas with the melee counter, it feels more like you're just waiting for the opportunity to hit the QTE. So it, it feels a bit more brain dead for me. And it's it's good. Once you get a feel for the timing, it's a lot better. And I don't mind it, but I don't think I'd want it in the next 2D Metroid that they make. Okay. I think... Other than that, the, the Eon abilities are quite nice quality of life improvements. So there's one that sort of pings out for blocks that are damageable in the immediate vicinity, which I really like. And I like that it's optional. I like that you don't, if you want the challenge of hitting every block until you find the one that has the missile upgrade, then you can do that. And then some people would want to do that. But I like that it gives you that option. Um, I'm about halfway through. I'm five hours in. And at the moment, I would I would happily recommend it. I think it's good. I suspect I might like the another Metroid 2 remake a bit more for the reason dead, but it's definitely good. Second one I've been playing, I recommended this, recommended this last episode, is Picross 3D Round 2. It's more Picross 3D. It's really lovely. My hand cramps a little bit holding the 3DS in the position that you do. That might just be me getting old. I don't really know. Do you want it sideways or something? What's the... Uh, No, I think the problem is normally when I'm doing something with the stylus and the circle pad, I will hook my little finger behind the console to support it. 
Whereas with Pitcross 3D, I'll sort of have my stylus hand away and leave it resting in my left hand while I'm working out what to do. And I think it just fatigues the fingers at the back a bit more. That sounds so pathetic. <laughs> yeah, talking about first world problems earlier. Yeah, well. I think you just took the cake. It's a medical issue, man. <laughs> but the game's good. I That is certainly isn't a criticism of the game. That's more me. And it's more of the same. And if you like that, or if you think you'll like that, then it's probably worth checking out. I'm still plugging away at Project X-Zone, which I suspect that one is going to be a long, slow burn for me, just because every battle is quite long. And the game's great. I just don't have the time or the stamina for that, I don't think. And the last game is Shin Megami Tensei 4, which is right up there, top three, top five games I've ever played at this point. Wow. I It is phenomenal. It's... Pokemon done right for actual people. Um, I I think what I like about it, one, the flexibility that comes with fusion. So you can, there's a lot of sort of min-maxing and optimizing in terms of what skills you pass on and what you inherit in that sense. And I like that rather than just throwing a ball and having an RNG as to whether you catch the Pokemon or not, you have to talk to the demon, gauge those answers. It's more in your hands, as, and there's a lot more flexibility in those negotiations. The story's really good. It's another game that really shows off the theme well when you're walking around areas because the most of the exploration portions are from a third-person perspective, and the cam- you don't really have direct control of the camera per se. But I found that with the the camera option that has you zoomed right behind the shoulder of the protagonist with the map on the touchscreen it's very easy to navigate the battles are great I've already mentioned the story's good I am very very addicted I've had it for two or three weeks now and I'm already 30 plus hours into it bearing in mind that I've been playing other things in rock so yeah very highly recommended and that it's sort of about where I'm at in terms of what I've been playing. Have so, you played Persona before? I have. So my, in terms of Shin Megami Tensei as a series, my introduction was the original Strange Journey, which I bought on a whim and loved, although it definitely made me its bitch for large portions of that game. Uh, then I got Persona 3 on the PSP, which... For my money, I still think is the best place to start in the series. Although I'd put Shin Megami Tensei 4 as a close second. And so from Persona 3, I've come to here. I've got Persona 4 Golden waiting for my attention on the Vita. I'm planning to get Persona 5 at some point, probably when I get a PS4. I'm planning to get Shin Megami Tensei 5 when that comes out on the Switch. I might even get that day one, um, depending on what kind of day one releases they have. Um, and one that I do want to get to at some point is Soul Hacker, which was a Saturn game, but they did recently to the 3DS. And whereas 4 is a third-person um free roaming, free movement 
RPG, Soul Hackers, much more like Strange Journey as a first-person dungeon crawl. And I would like to play a bit more of that style of SMT gameplay. So, yeah. Do you prefer the Persona? I don't know whether or not you've tried... I haven't actually played uh, Shin Megami Tensei, but I have played a few games. I, um, I have played a little of each of them, but I haven't actually finished, I think, any. That's of, of the ones that I've played, I liked four the best, but yep. um, I didn't like it as much as I felt like I should be liking it, comparatively to everybody else who was playing it. What didn't you like about it so much? Uh, I can't even really like put it into words. It was just like... I felt like everybody else was enjoying it so because it's my sister's favorite game. So I was like, well, if I if I play this game, I have to do it justice because there's some reason she likes it. And I just right. I didn't like it as much as her, but it's fine because she doesn't like Wind Waker as much as me. So. It just it just seems like you hate things that other people love. That is not it at all. You sure? You're- yeah, you're full of shit. The thing really? is, I because uh, you had some mean things to say about Majora's Mask. About what? Majora's Mask. And I rescinded them, I guess. But it's you, not you that like very non-committally rescinded them. I don't. I don't know. I, it's not like I didn't even persona for it. It was just like they tied things down to specific time limits, which kind of got under my skin. And, like, if... When things are gone, they're gone. Like, gone. I don't really like that. And, to be fair, 4 has neither of those problems. I did get annoyed by the time limits in Persona. I ended up, to some extent, using guides to work out what I could and couldn't do in those time constraints. It's only... It didn't dampen the experience for me, but I, I get where you're coming from with that. With 4, there is a lot more flexibility. I, If you want that open, roaming thing, I think you may well like it a lot Persona. And I think it's a much better game to get you in if the Persona games were annoying you than if you were to, for example, pick up the recent port they did of Strange Journey, because that really does throw you in at the deep end. And I think if I started it at a different time in my life, it might have put me off the series altogether. You know what's weird about it, though? That, like, I understand... I actually dislike the dungeon crawling in Persona the most. So, and that's what Shin Megami Tensei has, like, the most of. So I don't think that I'm gonna enjoy it. Well... And it's not like I didn't like Persona. This felt, for me, much more like um, sort of a very shrunk down, truncated Xenoblade Chronicles in a sense. In a, in as much as you're moving around exploring an open space, that there aren't really dungeons per se to speak of, and and what dungeons there are are much shorter. Um, and like I say, you have free reign to move around them at will. It's pretty cheap on the eShop. It's worth a look, I would say. I know, you have it physically shop. everywhere as well. We don't. We uh, we got the digital only end of the show. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, I don't buy digital Nintendo games. No, well, you live in America, so you don't have to. 
It's kind of wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, well, if Nintendo weren't shits and region locking their console, it wouldn't have been an issue. Because Strange okay, Journey they... didn't come over here. I had to import that. But on the DS, that wasn't an issue. They screw us over with Japanese titles, too, so it's fine. Mm, is it, though? Well, well, I mean, it's not fine. I would rather have Japanese-exclusive games. That would be great, but they don't like me, so it's fine. Wow. Because they wow. only give us what they know they'll sell of, so that we don't get cool games. Since uh, you clearly have things to say, why don't we go ahead and move on to you, Toast? Um, okay, so finished games. I finished the first God of War. It took me 12 hours. Um, what, what, is, what did you think? I like it. Okay. Um, uh, it was really weird finishing it, though, because, you know, it's all pretty, like, uniform, but all this, like, every once in a while, they would throw something at you that was completely, like, unreasonable, I would say. And it would it was just like the the difficulty was all very like flat until like these random weird spikes and then everything would go back to normal. And I'm like, what the crap is with that? It's just like don't um there was a point towards the end where there's these like meat skewers that you have to climb up and I was genuinely angry. And I don't like being angry when I'm playing <laughs> games. But those stupid meat skewers, where if you hit one of them, you fell all the way back down, were the worst thing that anyone has ever devised. Except I'm trying to your, remember that bit. I'm struggling. Um, it's when you're in Hades, and you have to climb all the way back up to the... Oh, earth. Christ, I know the bit. Yeah. And there's, like, these things on skewers, mm-hmm. and, they're meat, and they've got meat bones, and you have to climb up the entire top of that. Mm-hmm. It's like... Something like that, yeah. the meat? Uh, I'm sorry. That was a stupid Dung and Runpa part, by the way, because <laughs> any any one of those is, is acceptable word verbo like verbosity. Any one of those is acceptable, but on the meat fact, bone? yeah, it was just like meat on the bone, and that's like the worst one out of all of the ones that you could put together. It's stupid. But um, so God of War One was really good, um, and then I started God of War Two, and it took all the hard work that it did with God of War One. And kind of like threw it in the trash. What? Well, I'm not done with it. But it, you know how like the first one established Kratos as like a reasonable. You you almost like rooted for him. Okay, two, I'll give you that. Yeah. And two, it made him petty and infantile. Yes, but that, I'm not I think that's done just part with of the trajectory it, of his character. So I know. Let me know but, how you feel when you get towards the end, and especially once you start three. I'm sure it'll change. It just, it made me angry when I started it, and I realized just how petty they made the character into, and it's just like, you you make me sad. I um, think, so... Yeah, as long as you keep playing, I think it is justified, because I think that's just, like I said, the trajectory of his character arc over the course of that trilogy. As long as it changes and makes him stronger for it, I don't care. But now, it's just irritating. Well, in order to really under... <laughs> I, I don't know if I should go ahead and tell you, he never becomes sympathetic, like, in any sort of way. If anything, he just continues to be less and less sympathetic. I have trouble with that, because I, 
I struggle with if I dislike a character so intensely, cough, cough, Shenji, get in the damn robot. Uh, it's hard to um, for me to continue with it because if it's unlikable characters are difficult. They make me genuinely angry. I can see that. But I think he's strong enough to maybe overcome that. But he just makes me very angry, and I don't sympathize with him at all. And I don't want him to be happy. I don't. He deserves it. Idea. All um, right. So God of War. What else? I started to, and then um, I started a replay of A Link to the Past. Okay. Uh, and I'm. I think maybe about uh, a third of the way done now. I've, I've only been playing for like. Um, and I am at Hyrule Castle for the second time, so I'm about to go into the dark, which is about, I don't know, it's, it's some ways, something. And I'm also, I started Unreal for the game of the month, and it makes me violently ill. Oh, God. Like, incredibly so. It makes me so sick. But it's like, instantly when I shut it off, it's fine. So it's just like, I don't know if I'm going to keep playing. Because normally when games make me sick, I'm sick for, like, maybe 30 minutes afterwards, and I have to, like, take my mind off of it. But that shut it off and it instantly better. Ooh. So I don't know. I might through, fight through the pain. Does it kind of instantly set in, or is it more gradual? In- instantly. It's, instantly. like, instantly okay. my head hurts and my spirits. Wow. Ugh. <laughs> I even have it, like, I have it running as smooth as it'll go, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't touched it yet. I do need to to at least give it a bash at some point. Um, it'll take a while to. Um, let's see. It's like what I I stole it, so (laughs) I don't care. It it is like over twenty, so I do not care. Yeah, but how old is Mario? That's the thing. Is if I. Here was my logic behind it. I had a sneaking suspicion it was going to make me sick, so I installed it first to see if it would make me sick. And now that I know, now now that I know it does, I'm not going to buy it, and I probably won't finish it. So that for me, if I know I'm going to play a game to completion, I buy. But if I don't know and I want to test it out, I don't. Well, we'll let the audience decide what they think of that. I don't care what they think about that. Well, that's fine. They've never had, most of them have never had to deal with getting violently ill when playing video games. So at this point, I don't care. It's not a great (laughs) thing. You hear that, Max? The audience, your opinion doesn't matter. Ultimate zombie taste. June 7th, 2018. Well, not by the time they hear it, it won't be. (laughs) Well, I mean. Whenever they hear it doesn't change the day it was said. It doesn't... I'm not saying that I don't care about them and that their opinions don't matter. I'm saying in this specific regard, it doesn't matter personally to me. It's not going to hurt feelings. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Nobody likes you. And you have <laughs> a bad faith in some other bad things. See, when you have to resort to insults, I know I'm right. And you can say what you want to me. I know that will frustrate you even more. <laughs> and we'll leave it there. What else have you been playing, or was that? Um, I am super, super close to, like, to finishing Kira Kira, and I'm 
Hang on, you cut out yeah. after Kira Kira. I'm close to finishing it, and I'm close to finishing Picross 3D. Oh, the first one or round two? The first one. Oh, what you guys should race. race. No, I've already finished the first one. The first one's already long gone for me. Yeah. Well, and I only... aren't there like a million I'm... Picross games? Yeah, but they're all shit, like, in comparison. Well, I mean, I like Picross generally. There are only two Picross 3D games. Uh, so the, there's definitely more of a challenge when it's on a 3D because you have to keep everything in mind. I think it's easier. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. It, they certainly can give you more lines of attack, but it also can lead to more confusion sometimes. Oh, it's just so much easier. When it's 2D, it's just too, like... I, I think 3D, I don't think 2D. So when I'm trying to make shapes... Like easier because you can visualize the whole shape and then go back through and. Yeah, I suppose it's a different approach because when I'm when I'm playing 2D Picross, and for context, I didn't feel like mentioning in my playing of, but I am bit by bit working my way through Pokemon Picross, which. Oh, that's shitty. It's dirty freemium, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm doing the daily challenge and just building up Picross points every time that I do it and just slowly doing the puzzles but when I'm doing it I don't necessarily think about shapes in the way that I do with the 3D one like you saying I'm thinking more in terms of the numbers and well what can fit where and then process of eliminating it that way so it's probably a different type of challenge that's fair but yeah you go and that's all oh that's it yeah and let's speed through the rest because I have to go to the bathroom super bad yeah (laughs) So, all, mean, we, all we have left then is our questions, which we have carefully selected from the forums. Alright, so Toast, I think you should save yours for last. Uh, sure. <laughs> so, let's see. I will go first because I have it right in front of me and I'm already talking. This is from Clumsy Penguin. Stop putting things in the Discord, Rick. <laughs> Wait, who is that directed at? Who didn't need to know about that? Who is the biatch? Whoever took a screenshot to make shitty meme of you. Okay, well, you asked why I was laughing, and I wasn't about to just say that I took screenshots of y'all to make shitty memes. <laughs> anyway, when things go into the Discord, it makes the little Discord noise, and my software is currently set to capture every sound that my computer makes. So if I can fine. time the message just right, I can make a little ditty. There's just going to be a bunch of boops in the middle of us talking, so it's cool. <laughs> anyway... So, Clumsy Penguin asked, what are your guilty pleasure games? Games that are objectively horrible slash bad, but factors such as nostalgia and personal taste slash tolerance make it enjoyable for you. Now, I don't know if I can say that these are objectively bad games, but they're definitely just, like... (laughs) They're definitely slightly above average shovelware, and that is the Dynasty Warriors series. And I guess just the Warrior series in general. That's a pretty harsh opinion. There's a lot of fans of that series. I I count myself among them. I love Dynasty Warriors, but I absolutely recognize that it's just... I mean, it's the same game over and over again every couple of years. It's the same set of battles. It's the same characters. Maybe they look a little shinier in higher definition 
maybe there's... I find them exceedingly boring. And see, that's another complaint that is frequently <laughs> lobbied at them. For me, yeah, I'm, I'm bad. They're so, they're so mindless, I can't really get behind them. And, like, that is almost... Arguably the point, I yeah, get it. Yeah, that's the, that's the appeal, in a sense, is that, you know... Sometimes I don't want to come home from a day of work and play something that is really going to... I don't want to play, like, a strategy game that's really going to test my, you know, strategic sense. I don't want to necessarily play something super hard that's going to test my reflexes. I just want to mash the square button over and over again until the game tells me I won. So... I mean, you can do that with visual... Well, isn't that because you're kind of, like, not great at video games? Like, no offense. Wait. You said so. No, What no, you just hold heard on, there, Audrey, hold on. was a gauntlet being thrown to the ground. <laughs> no, you said you weren't good at video games, so just smashing buttons makes you feel like you're winning. I'm, I'm not, I am not bad at video games. <laughs> I, am, I would still say that I am much better than your average player. The, oh, okay. The only thing that holds me back is my uh, reaction time. And that is the only thing that holds me back. Is especially for fighting games and those sorts of things where it's all about your enemy has like a tell in their animation or something. I just don't have the reflex to respond to that tell. So that makes it very difficult to play certain games. But. Okay. I'm pretty darn good at video games. Well, and to be fair, I wasn't saying that you're bad. I just was repeating things I thought you said. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. But, you know, I can just, I can put on a podcast in the background and mash buttons and it feels good. So that's my guilty pleasure. How about you? Uh, Who's going first? You go first, I guess. Am I going first? Okay. Do you need more time? Hmm. Oh, I don't really know. Okay. Well, I've I've got a few, and I'm I'm not even sure I'd call them guilty pleasures per se. I think it's more games where I'd be judged a little bit for thinking they're actually not too bad. Um. So a few springs to mind. Metroid Other M. Story's pish, but the gameplay's okay. Gameplay's all right. I thought you don't have to agree with me. That's where I am. Um, over the Hedge for the PS2. Wait, Over the Hedge as in... Ooh! As in the tie-in for the film. As in, <laughs> yeah. The game was okay, and <laughs> I also have a tiny bit of bias, because there was a dope golf cart battling minigame that me and my brother used to play for hours. Um, what else? Uh, I won't judge you. She says, judging intensely. No, I'm just saying I probably have worse games that I have played in the past. Well, we'll find out when it comes to your turn, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? James Bond 007 Bloodstone, which I will... Def- the driving's not very good, but the actual third-person shooting I will defend to the death. That was quite a good game. I had some fun with that. The DS version wasn't bad either, actually. It was made by the same people who did the Call of Duty port. Um, what else as I skim through... There was a PSP um, sort of third-person hack-and-slashy dungeon crawler that I played and I loved. Um, oh, what was it called? Oh, let me filter by that platform. 
on. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of it. I how long to beat, so I can uh, I can go through my completion. It's really good. You should give it a go. <laughs> While he's oh looking, Toasty would jump that in. Site. <laughs> um, probably Guilty Games or Warriors yeah. of the Lost Empire. That was what it's called. Warriors of the Lost Empire. Sorry, you carry on. Well, no. Do you want to talk about that game? I've never even heard of it. It is sort of the the Warburton's brown medium slice of hack and slashy dungeon crawlers. You have skills on cooldown, you make your way through levels, you sort of beat some repetitive enemies, find your way to the end, beat the boss. I liked that there wasn't much customization. That kind of thing can annoy me in the game. And it all just sort of clicked as a package. It all worked really nicely together. And I think in, in terms of guilty pleasures, that probably is about it. I I don't really play many games where I'm like, I wouldn't want to tell you I enjoyed it. I Maybe Katawa no Shujo, if I've even said that right, is arguably a guilty pleasure. Katawa uh, Shoujo? That one, yeah. You just added like three extra syllables. Whatever. Well, I mean, you could find a better game like it. <laughs> I mean, the, the only thing that's guilty about it is the fact that it's not as good as the ones that you could be playing. Well, I, I was more the thinking, same. like, the smutty, dirty, nudie bits. Oh. So if, if someone who was a oh. friend who knew that I game played, so like, what have you been playing? Can you show me? I would feel very guilty if I had to show them that. Let's put it that way. Does that make sense? I think I it makes so. sense. Yeah, sure. Totally. Um... One, you're up now. Obviously, um, my answers might be different based off of the fact that I'm, like, female, I guess. So, like, Otome games, I'm pretty guilty about because I don't really like... I don't know, they're just relaxing, but I don't really like people knowing that I play them. So that's one. Um, The Sims is not one that I'm proud of playing. (laughs) Um, when there are more mod files than base game, are you really playing The Sims anymore? No, I'm essentially playing Dress Up Simulator. There you go. Which is part of the re- reason that it's embarrassing, because it's just I get on and I have all these mods just to make pretty people, which is like, mm, I, I don't know, that's kind of cringy. Um, that's fine, whatever. You're, you You've never been a female with no money and, like... Like, it, I don't know. I, I have just, been really now, much to my surprise. <laughs> it's just easier. I don't want to buy clothing. I just want to put them on other people and make them pretty. So hmm. I think those are the only ones, though. All right. Well, let's move right along then. So, Rick, since we're saving toast for last, what's your question? So my question, if I dig back past the messages that came through, comes courtesy of Screaming Shadow, and it is, what game would you like to get a remaster or remake of? And I'm going to ask you two to go first, because I'm really not sure. Well, hold on, you can't, you can't pass I can and I have. I can and I have. I was planning on using your time to think of my answer. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at, at the moment, I'm sort of looking through my 10 out of 10s and what's a bit older. 
that That's I'd want not to be remade. Idea. I'm full of good ideas if you give me the chance. Will you You're never speak again? You're full of something, again? that's for sure. <laughs> full of hubris and egotism also, apparently. Um, it's weird, because quite a few games that I would maybe throw out there already have been remade, sort of. So, uh, The World Ends With You's had a couple of sort of remakey porty things. Strange mm-hmm. Journey's just gotten a remake. Um, and then there's games I would like a remake of The World Ends With You that does away with the swipey controls if I could get that I would be very happy I love everything about the game except that I think what could be cool is if you if you moved it to the Switch say and you had one partner being controlled on each Joy-Con I think that would make a lot of sense Mm -hmm. And that game is phenomenal, phenomenally good game. Oh yeah. And it it's a shame that the mechanics make it a little bit difficult to get into. The the fact that it's on old hardware is a bit difficult. I don't think the iOS port's even supported anymore because Square Enix are a shit mobile publisher. Um Oh they are, they're they're atrocious. If I wouldn't touch anything yeah, with Bart for a fact, yeah. That they've that they've put on iOS or Android, having seen what I've seen. Um, okay, ooh. I looked up a list, and I agree with one of these things. So, uh, Bokai definitely needs a remake. That would be Bokai. super great. Uh, Bokai, um, seeing as I Boktai. Boktai. Bo- yeah, Boktai. Um, seeing as it made me super sick to to play it. Uh, I really like a remake where it didn't have... You know, this is going to sound stupid, but I want it to not have the sun aspect because uh, I'm photosensitive. So uh, it sucked for me. Would you want it to be sort of localized to a day-night cycle then? Yeah, some way that I could play it without getting sun poisoning. Because mm. I remember... Yeah, vaguely getting really ill trying to play that game. Hmm. Um, Vagrant could use a remake. That's a good shout, actually. Yeah. Um, any one of the the like the Link games, like Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons and Link's Awakening, could all use a remake. If um, they were done in the style of a Link Between Worlds, I think that would look. Really... No, if they were done in the style of uh of Breath of the Wild. You set your, shut your filthy whore mouth. I hate that style. Well, they already started top down. That would I be don't the care. easiest way to do it. I hate top down Zelda. <laughs> Why are you playing yeah. a top down Zelda right now then? Because it's my childhood, but I hate Minish Cap's dope, and I won't hear a bad word said about it. Minish Cap is slightly different, but I don't like top down Zelda. I don't. I just I don't. Top down Zelda. Yeah, I'm much. I, I will say I much prefer the 3D Zeldas, but I don't know. I feel like Link Between Worlds is pretty sanitized. I'm not saying I don't like the story. I just don't like the way that it well, does I don't, I don't the things the that it do. I mean, even as far as gameplay, like it's it's in like a league different than other top-down Zeldas. I feel like I guess so. I just don't like the the cutesy, cartoony like. <laughs> I don't know. Either be Toon Link or don't. (laughs) So what you really want is like 
Four Swords style. Um, are we talking Four Swords Adventures? Yeah. Because there's two different Four Swords. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I actually really liked Four Sword Adventures. Hmm. I know a lot of people didn't. And then there was confusion as to what actually was the Four Swords back a while ago, because there's two separate games, and the, the one is a completely different story. Which of the two? Because I've got Link's Awakening DX on my... Not Link's... As in A Link to the Past, sorry. And it's got Four Swords on it, but I don't know which sort of Four Swords that is. It's probably that... the Four Swords standard, not Adventures. Yeah, and then there's also... Um, that's a four-player uh, GameCube game. And then there's also Four Swords Anniversary, which is a... Uh, 3DS port, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, 3DS port, but it, I think it's slightly... They added in content that was supposed to be more to what the original story was planned or whatever. Right. Which, it's like, I think, if you're playing it, it's like a 20-minute game. Hmm. That's short. Um, oh, while you're, yeah. While you're looking through the list, I'm going to have a look, see which four swords I actually have. Okay. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines would be a great remake, because it looks like poop, Ooh. and to get it to run, you have to physically like break the game and add in files and shit like that, and I don't mess with that. I don't like having to do that. Parasite Eve? I, love I didn't like the original, though. That's the thing. That's because you are trash. Yeah. But, like, honestly, I mean, if the controls and stuff were updated for a remake, that would be amazing. That would be yes. an awesome yeah. game to have. Mm-hmm. Fallout 1 and 2, I kind of would like remade. What, sorry? Fallout 1 and 2, I'd like them remade. Oh, okay. They're CRPGs, aren't they? Rather than the. Yeah, they're like point and click, which would be cool to have them because their stories were better, but their controls weren't. So just flip it, just have the controls be better. Hmm. Um. Oh, that actually did get a remake already. The King, whatever. I think that's oh, get a remake. Oh, with a Y. No, no, that's a um. Vampire. Yeah, it's a different game altogether. It's about Vampire Masquerade the Bloodlines. Ah, okay. And it's like a really, really hardcore vampire RPG that is like... Uh, it's like Sky... Or no, Morrowind, uh, like the Dark Brother line, or Brotherhood, but like a whole game of it. Oh, okay. A whole game of that feeling. That's pretty hmm. rad. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Um... Mm, anything else? There's some visual novels, but I'm not going to talk about them because they're not apparently real games. <laughs> According to who? You said that, not me. Yeah, nobody has said that in this podcast. No, I know, but everybody's like, okay. But I think Eve Bust er- uh, Error is getting a remake, and that'll be good because that's actually a point and click rather than a visual novel, so that'd be cool. Oh, I'll tell you too that I can't believe I didn't think of before. Enter the Matrix and the Matrix Path of Nia. Those were good yeah. games. Now, Enter the, Ma- Enter the Matrix was dog shit, but I think wait, it wait, which was the good made one? into a good game. Path of Nia was the good okay, one. Okay, that was the good one. But it was very good. 
because it actually let you free control the camera rather than lock behind your character and the move set and actions were competently put together. Oh, that would be really cool. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what would be really cool? If they remade Jet Set Radio. That would, that I would thought cool. they, they HD ported it. Did they? Yeah. I have it on my Vita. It's I'm, a... And that's a port of the mainline version, which is on PS. Is it HD enough, though? <laughs> I, by whose standards? Like, does it look good? I want it to be new graphics. It's... All of the textures, I think, have been redone. It looks really nice. Hmm, maybe. Maybe. It was on sale. I think I paid a quid fifty for it, which you can't sniff at that price. Excuse me? We totally can. Sniff? Yeah, that, that's what we say in England. You can't sniff at that. Why, why are you sniffing? Maniac Mansion! That one could be remade real good. Hmm. What about you, Kerf? I feel like we've we've not heard from you yet. Um, I'm just looking through myself at some of these. Uh, da, 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 da. There was one that popped up that I lost track of. It might be gone forever. Most of the things that I'd really like to see remade are things that probably never will be remade. That's fine. So, like, there's there's this game called Fur Fighters... Are either oh, I remember that. It? I remember hating it also. And that that's the thing. Like it I actually played it through to completion and you it was definitely a struggle in many ways, but I was able to see it through to the end just because I liked the ideas it was presenting so much. Mm-hmm. Because I mean like the levels are huge, and there's so much to do in them, and there's a variety of ways that you can play around inside of them. Um, the actual, like, shooting and moving around was a pain, though. And so no kidding. It, it probably rightfully has been forgotten by time. But, <laughs> but if they were to take those ideas and update the mechanics, I think it could actually be a really fun game. Um, hmm. Another one I actually just thought of. It's uh, the English translated title is "For the Frog, the Bell Tolls." Um, I beg in, your pardon, man. Yeah, in Japan it's called "Kairu no Tame ni Kane wa Naru" or something. Okay. Um, basically, it's uh, it's a sort of Zelda-esque uh, action RPG with bump combat instead of, like, mm. button combat. So oh, you, like the original East games? Yeah, so you... It's a, it's even a little less active than that. Basically, you touch the enemy and you enter a sort of automatic combat. So okay. they do a set amount of damage to you, you do a set amount of damage to them um, based on, like, what transformation you happen to be in when you enter combat. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. It mixes 2D platforming and puzzles with just really smart overworld design and item management <clears throat> and stuff. The only flaw with it in the original is that it is linear to a fault. So every every item you can pick up, you basically have to pick up. Like, there's no optionality to it. Um, right. You either do all of the game or none of it. 
So, in a remake, I would like to see, you know, an, an expanded remake in a sense, where you could explore more, do some bonus things, have side quests and stuff. But mm. honestly, the story is so charming. The world is just a joy to explore. And it's just the right levels of quirky in everything it does. So mm. I, would, I would love for it to be remade and translated. <laughs> and other than that, I don't know if there's anything else I can really think of. There's a few more jumping out at me, so I'm just going to rattle through them. Sure. Uh, the two Sorrow games in the Castlevania series, I feel yes. like you could bundle those together, maybe prettify it a little bit, give you a wider field of view, and that would be fantastic. I'd love both of those to be on like um, maybe the 3DS, where you could have the map on the bottom screen while you navigate on the top. I think that would be really nice. Uh, what else? Custom Robo Arena, originally for the Nintendo DS. Yeah, that one looks like shit, so it'd be what, good Custom to have Robo? It. It's great it's... fun. No, I'm saying it's fun. It looks like shit, so it could Oh, get... I see what you mean. Yeah, time hasn't been kind. Um, I think I think in a remake, you could... Even if it was on like PS4 or something, you could make it look really, really good. It would never be on PS4, but you know what I mean. Um, what else? MASH... That was great fun back in the day. Um, it's like a, it's like a top-down sort of balls-to-the-wall competitive driving game. And so there's power-ups. You're knocking people off the map. There's a button specifically to do your driver's quips. And this is an unpopular opinion, but there's already so much racing games that I don't think there any needs to be remade because there's just going to come along another one that's going to be just as good or better. The question is, what do I want remade? And that's what I want remade. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, what else? Very, very quickly. Um, um, I'd kind of like to see Epic Mickey remade, actually. Is that uh, good? It's not good. That's the problem. Uh, is it's that, not good? Like, the world design and the level design is very... It strong. looks really cool. Yeah, like, all of the art is like diesel punk and just off-putting in like a really engaging way but the concept's lovely yeah for it sure. controls like ass and i mean the camera is always fighting you you can never really aim at what you're trying to aim at um the second one is even worse but i really would like to see it it's also just not paced very well um, I never really knew like what collectible was useful in what situation. So, yeah, I, I would like it to just be built up again. Okay. Um, I've got two more that have just jumped out at me to throw out there. And this first one, I know at least a couple of people on the forums will be with me on, and that is the Red Star, also known as one of the best twin stick shooters ever made, even though the, the second stick is essentially the four face buttons. I know of it. I haven't played it. You need to fix that. It's more or less identical like to PS2 and PSP. Pardon? I don't like shooters like that. Well, it's very action-y. It's, it gave me a very strong Metroid vibe in the sense that it was all about putting yourself in the right place and 
and positioning yourself correctly to do things. You, you have a melee combo, is. it's sort of a, a mix, sorry? I wouldn't like Metroid if it wasn't Metroid. I don't like that style of game. The reason it works is because it's like it just works, it's Metroid. I wouldn't like it if it was any other game. Okay, well, you're entitled to your wrong opinion. I mean, it's... Metroid's <laughs> it's, it's good. I think it's a really good game. I think it's worth giving a chance. If you don't, you know, you don't. And the other one is The Legend of Zelda, The Wind Waker. I think it'd be really good if they took out the touch control and made it a, a more conventional... Can you you just... don't have to use the touch controls at all. Well, I he, think he's, he's just memeing on us right now. Yeah, he's just being a bitch. Okay, so <laughs> mine are... Um, or maybe yeah. maybe they could remake it without the train sections, I don't know. Kill yourself. Um, <laughs> Shenmue, uh, Legend of Dragoon, and Jade Empire. I like those rem- I mean, Shenmue should be remade to make it, you know, enjoyable. That would be what I would like. I, I mean, I had a Dreamcast growing, and Shenmue was one of the- I'd say Shane didn't play it because they have good opinions, unlike you. I thought you, you were going to spend... say you were having a dream then. I, I could feel Martin Luther coming back to you. You spend like eight hours driving that stupid forklift in the second <laughs> half of the game. The entire yeah. second disc is driving a forklift. <laughs> it, I... Hey, they were out ahead of the Euro Truck Simulator game. They saw That's what was going to come. Is It's just... It feels just so right. Like, I don't... There's something about that game that it, it's like they took a slice of, like, it. you really experience something that you haven't experienced before. It's like living someone so else's life. self-hatred? No, I love Shenmue. It's good. I have to replay it at some point because I forgot most of all of them. Maybe for the best. <laughs> Shut up. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't replay it just to keep your your flawed memory intact. Well, fine. Jade Empire and Legend of Dragon, it's fine. I would be happy with both of those to be remade. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything else. I Well, maybe Mystical Ninja starring Goemon from the N64. I have a very soft spot for that game. Oh, it looks fun. It's... It's so dumb. Yeah, it looks it. like really shitty but fun. It's like mm. it's like imagine Ocarina of Time but you have a jump button and they run with okay. that. So mm. it's a three D platformer but also like a three D Zelda at the same time. Huh. It's a little wonky, but it's just it's a blast. Sounds very out there. And Brave Fencer Musashi. Gonna add that one, too. See, I've heard of that, but I don't know actually what it is. Oh my god, you both should play Brave Fencer Musashi. Hmm. Maybe not on original hardware, because you'll probably be paying exorbitant prices to get your hands on it. But if you find other means, then I definitely recommend. What kind of a game is it? Um, it's... How do I even describe it? It's isometric. It's a JRPG, but more of an action RPG than like turn-based or anything. Um, mm-hmm. 
there's some platforming elements to it. It's hard to describe though exactly. Well, I'm uh, I'm gonna get a YouTube clip up. I'm gonna have a little look now. Okay. Oh, it's wow. very cheesy stylized. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, it's it's like a a isometric ARPG. Yeah, I think that's a good description for it. Right, and this was on the N64. This was on PlayStation One. Ah, okay. Mm, it looks okay. It seems like the kind of thing where nostalgia may well have played quite a big part. I, I mean, I played it as a kid, but I never like got very far as it. I did a full playthrough maybe a year or two ago, and it was fine. I mean, hmm. I didn't get far enough in it as a kid that I think nostalgia would have really affected my opinion of it. Okay. I think it, I think it holds up on its own. All right, so Toast, the time has finally come. What is your question? Okay, now, so would you rather live in a waxy ear of a grumpy giant eating all but flies in there by accident and not being able to make noise for fear, <laughs> for fear of being ejected with a huge cotton bud or live in middle, Middlesbrough? Which is, I think, a joke at the expense of the British town. <laughs> and, I mean, Middlesbrough's okay. I... If he'd said Hull, it would have been a very different story. But Middlesbrough's not too bad. Certainly not as bad as the very vivid description of what the inside of a giant's ear might be like. Are you kidding me? That sounds like a blast. Yeah, I mean... Out of the ear. (laughs) The description reminds me of that part from the Odyssey where they're trapped in a cave with the Cyclops. Uh, oh, and nobody uh, has blinded me. Yeah. Um, For me, it reminds me of Fun and Fancy Free, which I don't know if either of you have seen, which is like a Mickey Mouse so. type dealio, and I watched it all the time when I was little. It reminds me of Fun, but not middle That's the thing. But, so, yeah. ultimately, I think I would choose the giant's ear, just because that sounds like fun. <laughs> sounds like a it fun sounds... place to be. It sounds so much better than being British. Yeah, that too. You don't know the nationality <laughs> of the giant. For all you know, the giant might live in fucking Aberdeen, and then you've really shot. Well... As long as he's not French. <laughs> I think The we French. Can all... They get pilloried by everybody, bless. Okay, so any, anybody have any... Did you answer the question, Rick? I did. I said if it was Hull, it would be a different story, but as is, I'd take Middlesbrough. Okay. Oh, surprise, surprise. Why is that a surprise? I'm saying it's not a surprise. That's the that's the sarcasm. Okay, why is it not a surprise then? You know what I mean. Because you're already like, oh, it can't be that bad. I'm just used to things being kind of like horrible-ish. <laughs> okay. All right, so to round things out... Um, we did want to put out a call to our listeners. Uh, We soon, hopefully on our next real full episode, would like to start bringing on guest hosts. Um, Now, I mean, you probably wouldn't, you know, be here every episode. That would just be, you know, a crowd. What what do they say? Three's a crowd. Three's company. Three's company. Okay, four's a crowd. I thought it was three's a 
three's a crowd. Three can be a crowd. Okay. Yeah. Well, we we will have to do the math on that. But in any event, we would like to bring individual guests on for individual episodes. Uh, do some interviews with them, like we did in our earliest episodes. And you can even take part in some of our discussions. We'd definitely like to hear what you guys have been playing and beaten. Uh, and mm. Your opinions on those horrible, atrocious things we call video games. So, be on the lookout for an announcement on the forums. Uh, and we'll probably also be in contact on Discord. And by we, I mean probably one of the other two, because I'm never on Discord. So... <laughs> With that, let us bring this episode to a close. And may I be the first to say, finally, this one quite possibly is the longest one we've done yet. We are at 2 hours, 33 minutes, and 15 seconds, and we thought I'm this was... I'm tired. We thought I this think was going to be a short second. one. <laughs> we're worth I just every... wanted it to end, and it just kept going, and I was like, <laughs> I just... And there's someone in the shower now, so I can't go to the bathroom. It's going to be even worse when I turn it into mission music. It's gone midnight in in Blighty. So it's making me really grumpy, and I'm like, taking it all out of you, because I really... Whoever is in the bathroom, please get out. It's making you grumpy. What were you before? I'm a nice person. I swear. (laughs) Good one! (laughs) Alright, so... Let's, you know, as as a team-building exercise, I think on the count of three, we should all say goodbye. So, it, it'll be after three, so one, two, three, goodbye. Because I know one of you, at least one of you, is going to try and pull that nonsense. Alright, so, one, two, three, good- goodbye. goodbye. Come on, guys, you have to actually do it. You are- I didn't. You didn't even nail your own count. Alright, one- <laughs> Two, three, good Bye. goodbye. No. Come on, guys. We're done. One, we're two, done three. No, we're not. We're not leaving until until we get this right. You it's, heard it here first. We're breaking the three-hour mark. One, two, three, goodbye. Okay, is everybody set? Is everybody prepared? I think this. We're good. Are we on the same just page? Goodbye. Let's just say goodbye on no, one. No. One, two, three, goodbye. Goodbye. Guys, God. <laughs> Take four. One, two, three. Goodbye. Bye. It has me at the same time. You said it. Rick, Rick is like a half beat behind us. One, oh. two, three. Goodbye. Goodbye. Sure. Why not?